This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jarrett Duncan. RJ Baylock. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week we're learning about our bodies and about not taking no for an yeah. answer. As we watch Spine 259 in the Criterion Collection, Catherine Brelaw's Fat Girl from 2001. But first, mm. RJ. Yo. We're not alone. What do you mean? Like the communal we are not alone? Yeah, you and me. There's three of us. Like globally, do you mean, or locally? Uh, Globally, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, I think we're all in this together. Yeah, we're all in this together. And we're all in this together with a special guest this week, Aaron Lang. Live from Cleveland, Ohio. That's right. A cartoonist? Who uh, apparently we've become uh, listening solace as you draw. I guess that's correct. That's awesome. Um, Very quickly, we have to get an arbitrary plug in. I feel like Aaron didn't ask for this, but uh, I believe the the page is the comics comics with an X company dot ecreator dot com, and that'll take you to a page where there's a list of fellow cartoonists like Carrie Q. Contrary and Dexter Cockburn, and there's Mm. Aaron Lang Comics, and then there's one that's just Underground Comics. It's got it looks like some anthologies. Something with um the publisher just did a book with Robin Bougie recently from Cinema Sewer. Yep. Mm. Who I I. Uh, man, when did I meet Robin Bougie? Like 2004, I just was randomly in Vancouver and uh, I was at Lucky Comics or RX Comics, whatever the heck, whatever the heck it's called. And uh, I just like saw Cinema Sewer on the spinner rack and I was like, what the hell is this? And I mean, been... it's above a comic book store. Yeah, or like I know he's in a condo with his wife or something like that. He's he's very uh, uh, active on Facebook. I feel like I yeah. know him. I've so never well. met Robin, but I've, <laughs> yeah. known him for, I've known him for years. And yeah. actually, I think I got hooked up. The comics companies out of Vancouver as well. Right. And I think I got hooked up with them via Robin. I can't remember how. It was like 10 years ago. But yeah, Robin's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's like uh, super. I, it's just funny. Like every time he puts up his the new issues of Cinema Sewer, I'm like, the, <laughs> he always lets me know that I'm like one of the very first people to buy them just because I like, happen to be online every time they pop up. Um but yeah, he's always been like, like I've asked him questions and stuff like that. Sent him some, sent him some of my own crappy comics, and uh, he was very nice. So yeah, I always like that guy, and I love Cinema Sewer. And uh, yes, so people, you should check out Aaron's comics. And and, 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 and also, I mean, you've also been working on a big thing too. I, I from my understanding, based on your Facebook posts for the last little while. Yeah, I'm working on a big. Up. Yeah, I'm working on a big graphic novel. Um, mm about the more or less about the history of the Cleveland punk scene in the oh. 1970s. So RJ will be, Oh yeah. I was just going to oh, say, well, <laughs> well does it have any bags? Oh. Is there any butts or dumps in it? Do you think? Uh, <laughs> we'll see where my research takes me. Okay. Yeah, I know. You don't want to play that hand too soon. Cause you still want people to buy the book, right? You don't want to be like, yeah, there's no butts and dumps and then it's just going to tank. So uh, let's let's leave that up there. But, uh, you know, I'll just pop in, too. And uh, I know Jared gave him a plug. And uh, if you haven't already, uh, Aaron with an A, not an E, two. apparently. Two A's. It's blowing my mind now. I don't du- even know how du- names are spelled. Double A. What? Double, Double A. A. Yeah. 
We got double A uh, laying here, and uh, he uh, gave us that nice little Ernest or Seven of Borgnine, Ernest Borgnine Star Trek mashup commission, which I wanted to just give you exposure for. So I guess, <laughs> I mean, I guess this is kind of uh, how that works. And uh, I don't know. Um, from the sounds of it, I think your exposure scene might already have eclipsed ours uh, because I think we only have what eight listeners or so. Uh. Well, we got. I have six emails. One from a guy named Carlos, who only wrote to tell us that Criterion Creeps is ranking very well in Guatemala, and to Ooh. check out data podstatus.com. We're also apparently in position twenty in the category TV and film in Hong Kong. We we <laughs> broke the top fifty in Hong Kong. That's right, baby. That's incredibly you hard. You got your own Nielsen ratings here. Yeah, from oh, yeah. from Carlos at hello at podstatus.com. Sounds legit to me. So yeah. we got six emails, including Carlos, uh, Aaron, double uh, A would be the seventh. And um, maybe the eighth doesn't exist. So uh, we're right on track. But right. I hope you enjoy the exposure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those those hits he got, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, well, I noticed when I posted that stuff, I think more of people that follow him liked it than people who actually follow our account. Uh, I know a lot of people watch our account uh like the things i post but people don't really um people don't like it very much the instagram gets some good traction but uh it's hit and miss meme week has been great for us <laughs> meme week meme week but i, I, I think uh, aaron had as much uh disappointment with us as when we posted that fucking uh thanos infinity war with everyone's names on it and it's just like oh oh, oh. Hey, we're just giving back, man. We're just giving oh, back. Yeah, uh, giving when back. When are you going to get the Seven of Borgnine tattoo, which was the yeah, idea? Yeah, exactly. You R- know R- what? I, I'll tell you right now, you're holding me up to it. Um, My comic, or my comic, my tattoo shop is currently closed for COVID restrictions. So when it's open, I will do it. But uh, I don't know if uh, J-Dog told you, Aaron AA, uh, our province just went into a quote-unquote lockdown again soft Uh, a soft (laughs) lockdown yesterday which what that means is our conservative government it's like we're gonna close some things but we're gonna leave like casinos open and i don't know restaurants and things like that so it's a soft lockdown but i think my tattoo shop's closed i'll get it when this covid thing's resolved you damn bet well better barj i'm gonna try i'm gonna try i'm gonna try (laughs) where where are you gonna get it I don't want to, I mean, I could tell you, but uh, I might get arrested if I tell you where I plan to get a tattoo, if you know what I mean. Indeed. I don't know, maybe on a butt? <laughs> That's a good go. butt tattoo, right? It's not bad. Yeah, so when I'm at the beach and all the girls are looking at my Speedo buns and my Turbo buns and they see that nice little Ernest uh, 7 of Borgnine right there, mm-hmm. it, it might play. It's going to play. Yeah. Well, how's everyone doing tonight? Aaron, how's how's Cleveland, Ohio? Yeah. Well, um, you know, I guess your listeners could enjoy my Cleveland accent matching and battling with your Canadian accents. Mm. Mm-hmm. Get a rare window into the neglected and ignored Cleveland accent. <laughs> I don't know if it's neglected as much as it is um, purposefully uh, suppressed. 
Uh, that's kind of like what the Canadian accent is. We people don't want to hear it, right, Jer? How how accurate is the Drew Carey show to the experience of Cleveland? It's a good point. Well, you know, I mean, I've seen it, but I never really like watched it. Yeah. Uh, he he went to the same high school as my dad. Ooh. Uh, not at the same time. Right. Um, and the opening credits were definitely filmed here, but I think they, they, maybe they did some exterior shots here too. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't really watch the show, but I mean, he is from Cleveland. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Can you verify in the intro at the end uh, they all go? Uh, Was it Cleveland Rock or Ohio? And it's like Cleveland rocks. Is that yeah, true? Cleveland Does Cleveland rocks. actually actually rock, or is that just kind of made up for Hollywood? Well, that's an interesting question. So that's an originally a song by Ian Hunter from the band Martha Hoople. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so then the version on the Drew Carey show is by, well, it's a cover by what the presidents of the United States of America, I think was the band. Mm. But anyway, it's Ian Hunter's song, and he had written a song called England Rocks. Mm. But it wasn't charting in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just rewrote the exact same song and changed it to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Because the radio station in town here did give him a lot of play, and he did like coming to Cleveland. And uh, the mayor actually gave him, Dennis Kucinich gave him the key to the city because of that song. Just for the song? Oh, That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, they played it uh, like <laughs> like every Friday to like start the weekend on the radio station. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, this is, this is a, a whole, like... Uh, a gap that we've had in our podcast for years. I've been telling Jared, I was like, we need to get some Cleveland uh, history, some context. We need to infuse this into our podcast. Cause I think people are interested. Well, so, well there's the um, little scene, Paul Schrader movie light of day, which is mm. filmed and set in Cleveland. And there's like a scene where like it starts Michael J. Fox is like a bar band, like musician. And he's like coming out of the factory and like Cleveland Rocks is playing. Mm -hmm. And like they filmed it like the hospital I was born in. It's like a real Cleveland movie. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. Hmm. What are you looking into this song? I'm I'm just I'm just looking up uh, Light of Day. Cause I was it's, like, it's a good movie. People shit on it. Well, well, for, well, when you said Light of Day, my mind went to Light Sleeper. And then I went, that's not in Cleveland, is it? And then I'm like, no, that's a completely different movie. <laughs> yeah, Light of Day is good. It's him and Joan Jett, Michael J. Fox and Joan Jett. And they're just like these kind of like struggling musicians. And like they filmed this venue I used to go to and hang out at. It's it's like really authentic. And John Cassavetti's wife, Gina Rollins. Wow. I just have to uh, I have to take a moment to address on air a rare occurrence. This is the first time in <laughs> Criterion Creeps history that we have one of our co-hosts, our special guest, having a dart while we record. Uh, so uh, we brought this up a little bit earlier. Dart might be an Alberta thing, but uh, Aaron Lang, double A over here, is just smoking a, a fat one, right? Uh, wow, well, right it's, it's not a fat one. <laughs> I call them fat ones. Uh, he's smoking a cigarette, not a jazz cigarette, just a normal mm-hmm, cigarette right. or a That's... dart uh, while we were recording. And I got to tell you, you're living my fantasy. That's what I wish my <laughs> life was. But it's it's not. You know, I, I had, uh, well, I used to. When, when he when he goes to America. 
when I yeah when I go to the states, I uh, I hit it pretty hard. And then um, I mean, if I pre-COVID, you know, you go out f- uh, for a night out with, with the boys, you have a couple of cold ones. I'd get a pack for uh for a night out. Um, but you know, I'm trying to stay away from it. You know, the wife doesn't like it for your health, and she's probably right. But uh, yeah, that's uh you're living the dream over there, buddy. I just I just wanted to address it. It's never happened before, so this is a first. I commend you. <laughs> RJ, how are you? More, there'll be some what? more first before the episode's over, I'm sure. Oh, no. Yeah, I think this one there, we might get a few. Uh, Jared, you're asking how I am? How are you doing, RJ? I mean, I'm okay. I'm okay, Jared. Uh, how, are the, how, how, are those, how are those kids doing that you're, like, talking to, like, listening to their music and stuff like that? Your job is, was it janitor? Uh, uh, well, I mean, I, I mean, I think that's a derogatory now uh, term now. Caretaker, caretaker is custodian the or custodian or sanitation uh, consultant. Expert. Yeah, uh, like soprano style. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen any kids lately, so I don't have any stories for that. But uh, based on the, the new provincial stuff, that affects my job a little bit. So I'm going to be working online for a while, and uh, I don't know. Seems okay to me, I guess. Probably for the best. Good. Not much else to report on that. What about you, big dog? Did you uh, get run over by any cars this week or any explosive uh, no. things happening in or outside of your body? No, no, nothing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I it's Interesting. I feel like there maybe there was, but I'm just so excited to be here tonight. I just I can't think of anything else but the moment, you know? You're living in the moment. That's Double right. A style. Double A style. Well, you know what? Before we, we got to do this email. We got five Wait, before, of them. Whoa! What? Before we do emails, should we Whoa. like? Do you think Aaron has ever listened to the show before? Do you think he knows like how how it works? Does Aaron want to? Does Aaron want to regale us with uh, how he if he even likes the show or is this out of spite? I don't know. It could be out of spite and hate. And if one of the emails were mine, would you read it while I'm here? Uh, it, that's happened before. That's been the practice. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. So I would have. Is that what the but... kids call meta? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Like it's that. like meta, meta. I don't know. Yeah. First off, though, we have a very brief uh, message from one Oliver Granger with a, an email entitled Wrong Movie because mm. it has happened to him three times where uh, he mm-hmm. has listened, he's watched the wrong movie. Including that's Henry V, as uh, I remembered last week, Diary of a Chambermaid, where he says, "Who the fuck remembers that movie?" And Tokyo yep. Olympiad. I somehow watched a different cut that was made to be more positive to Japan. Hmm. There you go, Aaron. Have you ever watched the wrong movie before? Um, I think probably like back in the day, rented the wrong movie, mm. mm-hmm. and then like. Realized when I got home, or maybe the the store screwed it up. Um, nothing too, nothing too memorable though. Nothing traumatic. Nothing traumatic. I just imagine like for like for kids these days, there's like those uh, asylum movies, like Transmorphers. I can imagine something like someone's grandparent buying this for him at Walmart for like five bucks, saying, "Oh, it's the Transformers movie that just <laughs> came out in theater," and. Uh, Bringing that in and the kids being all excited because they can't read and then being very mm-hmm. sad and disappointed. I remember, I remember one time I was in high school and I rented movies like crazy back then. And I don't know what I rented, but it was something I wanted to watch. And I got home and 
the clerk fucked up and inside the plastic shell case was Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm, I fucking, I'm watching this. I'm home. Mm-hmm. I watched it. And then I went back and complained and mm-hmm. got what I originally came for. You got a free movie. That's right. What did you think of Romy and Michelle? Did you like, uh, did you like the balance between Lisa Kudrow and uh, what's her face? And did you like their story, the journey that they had? Did you think they were in the right place, like pretending not to be the right people, but, you know, eventually finding themselves? What did you think? I, I don't remember liking it. And looking <laughs> okay. back, that, that we were doing like 80s nostalgia in like the mid 90s is kind of. Yeah, we've been in an 80s nostalgia oh. you know, for like three decades now. Mm hmm. Since we've left the 80s, we we are continually trying to go back. Is that what you think is happening? Um, Sounds right. It's just, I don't know. Like, people are stuck in this very specific kind of uh, 80s. You know, this very, like, back to the future uh, Ghostbusters thing. It's been very, like, co-opted in this, like, nerd culture. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. No, that's like, uh, yeah, at the comic store I work at during the summer and stuff like that. That's all it is, and it hasn't broken. Like it's the same kind of like these guys that come in, and like that is the pinnacle of culture of like of society's achievements. It's just like, yeah, uh, nothing that's better than Ghostbusters, Transformers, Ninja Turtles is kind of in there, and that's like borderline because I don't think a lot mm-hmm. of these guys were reading Eastman's Turtles or anything like that. They were watching the cartoon. Um, but yeah, like it's that's it for them. And- well, what I don't understand is is like I remember when I was a kid, like Back to the Future and Ghostbusters. Those were just popular movies. Those were yep. just movies people liked, yes. and rightly so. Um, but there's no fan culture around them because there's nothing to fucking talk about. <laughs> like Star Trek, mm-hmm. whether you like it or dislike it, there's all these episodes, different series. There's scientific stuff to discuss. There's if you want to get philosophical. There's a mm-hmm. view. What is there to say about Ghostbusters? Uh, what about Slimer? Do you know him? <laughs> Do you remember Slimer? Did you guys have Ecto Cooler in Canada? Ecto Cooler? It was like a icy juice box. Mm-hmm. And it had Slimer on it. It was called Ecto Cooler. No. But here's the catch: it was it was an orange drink. Oh, high C. Yeah, but it was colored green. Yeah. But it's in an opaque cardboard box. So (laughs) So you couldn't couldn't see it anyways. And they made it like for years after Ghostbusters came out, like well into the 90s. You would still see Slimer on the shelves. I imagine it might be like, you know, have you ever bought in one of the big boxes of juice from the grocery store and you like open it up kind of like a carton of milk or you like cut the tip off? Maybe that's what they thought kids would do with these juice boxes instead of the design. Yeah, do you not have those? It's a Tetra. It's a Tetra pack. uh, Yeah, Tetra pack. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I we may have had uh, Ecto Cooler. Jarrett would know more than I would because he's how old did you turn last year? Sixty two. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. No, I this does look familiar. I don't know if I ever if my parents ever bought me a uh, Ecto Cooler uh, mm. growing up, but uh, yeah, I, now that I looked it up, I'm like, okay, I've seen this maybe like in the uh, the miasma of the internet at some point. It was someone ubiquitous. Brought it up. Yeah, when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mostly remember like uh, Chef Boyardee 
or uh, whatever Heinz, like they did like Smurfs, Smurfagetti. Oh yeah. <laughs> I re- I remember lots of like different uh, Chef Boyardee themed things. I think I got the Spider Man one a lot. It was like the '90s animated uh, TV show version of Spider Man, yeah. and you'd be like, "Look, it's Moebius. He's coming for our plasma." But oh. then you just is like you know pasta sauce and stuff. <laughs> it's Dis- d- disappointing. Disappointing. Yeah. Next next email uh, was from Ryan Alexander via Facebook, who writes in. Dear J-Dog and the Italian-hating misogynist, I just wanted to say I appreciate you all, appreciate you and all the work you put into the Criterion Increase podcast each week. Clearly, so much work. I also yeah. appreciate that you guys find drug use to enjoy movies and the unironic use of the word vibe to be cringeworthy. I cannot stand either of these things. I know you guys are both Lynch fans, but you must admit that many Lynch simps are guilty of this. Half of the reviews from a Holland Drive or any Lynch film read like this. Oh, man, I was so high and vibing and have no clue what was happening the entire time. Five stars. This rule is also applicable to any A24 film as well. Anyways, I was curious why you guys decided to punish yourselves in the month of May with things like a Roger Corman marathon when you could just binge watch the works of a director that you actually like. Keep up the great work, guys. New friend of the show, Ryan Alexander. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is he giving himself a nickname? And is he calling himself (laughs) new friend of the show, Ryan Alexander? That's not not how it works here, buddy. Oh, my God. I mean, I appreciate the effort. I think, I mean... He's going. He's being proactive, right? He's trying to get ahead of the curve, so he's not double A Lang, so he's not the love machine. He doesn't want to do that, and I understand. I mean, he's listening, so he knows we already have a friend of the show, Ryan Nagel. So we're gonna have something new for Ryan Alexander. I don't have anything off the top of my head, but before the end of the episode, I'll definitely think of it. It'll probably come after we're done everything when people don't listen to the podcast anymore. I'll probably throw it in there, but uh, wow. The audacity. Am I right, Jarrett? The audacity. Audacious Ryan. Audacious. Fucking there you have it right there. He's like Rick Rude. Or is it Randy Rude? He's too audacious. (laughs) You know that guy? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Um, Aaron, do you have any thoughts on uh, people who watch movies under the influence? Oh, I certainly used to. Right. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I do remember being quite stoned when I did see Mulholland Drive at the theater. And <laughs> did you vibe? Did did you uh, write a, did you post about it on Letterboxd? Mm-hmm. I didn't have a computer. This I, was yeah. when, <laughs> years ago when Mulholland <laughs> Drive came out. Uh, that movie shook me up, man. Mm. And I remember like, like I didn't think I was like I'm not sure if I like this movie. But then like a week later, I was still thinking about it, and I thought, if I'm still thinking about this movie a week later that it's good. Mm-hmm. D- did the scene with the, the homeless guy behind the dumpster freak you out? It did. It did. I, I like how that's our new, uh, our new gauge for Mahalan drive. Recognize, <laughs> I didn't think it was a homeless guy or a person. I like, yeah, I thought it was this fucking demon. Mm-hmm. Like and you see it again and it's like silly looking. <laughs> uh, but maybe that's like why it's so fucking unnerving. Well, but, that's they... my favorite Lynch movie after Blue Velvet. After Blue yeah, that's Velvet, a, that's a good ranking. I think those are those are his two best films. I think, hands down. And I I don't care which one anyone prefers. But yeah. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, I think those are both way up there. I I think Elephant Man is my favorite, but I, th- I think it's just because I'm a sad boy, and I think that's a sad <laughs> boy movie. But uh, that's just personal preference. I I do think Mulholland and Blue Velvet are uh, top of the top big dog movies. Yeah, yeah, it's like Elephant Man is a movie David Lynch directed. Yes, Blue Velvet and Mulholland Drive are David Lynch movies. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I I see what you're saying. What are we talking it's about? It's like here? you have capital letter David Cronenberg movies, <laughs> and like you then you have like Easter Promises, which is a great movie, but it's not mm-hmm. like yeah. an archetypal idea of like the the yeah. genre he is unto himself. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. can vibe on that. <laughs> what about you, Jared? Do you ever vibe to uh, movies? I know you used to smoke darts in your fedoras watching Cassavetti's movies, but like, like what else? Mm, yeah. What else did you do? Or is that it? Do you consider sugar a drug? Uh, it's one of the most addictive substances <laughs> in the right. world. So what do you think, bud? There you go. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I remember being like, yeah, mostly it's just uh, straight up alcohol if I've watched movies. I remember uh, watching, I think, Boondock Saints. Oh, I'm for sorry. For the very first time. Oh, man. <laughs> that that movie is not my thing. But I turned I, it off, dude. I couldn't oh. finish it. I was with a bunch of people that loved it, and I was just like, "This, I fucking hate it." But the the best thing of that whole thing that came out of it though was the documentary overnight, which is the documentary about the filmmaker and like him being approached by studios to be like, do the next big thing. It is an amazing flame out of this guy. Like he, the, the fame goes straight to his head. It's awesome. Like I, oh, I'd I like to see that. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Shot in front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah, that's the best part of uh, Boondock Saints for me. Uh, and yep. then, yeah, as far as why, why do we put ourselves through May of watching these things? I don't know. Why are we watching Criterion movies every week that we don't want to watch necessarily? I mean, mm-hmm. it's uh, because it's there. And uh, I don't know. I feel like it, you learn something. I mean, now yeah. I can be like, yeah, I've watched like almost every single Roger Corman movie. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't. You guys, have, I, you guys weren't that keen on Corman, huh? Ah, uh, well, I mean, it, it was he, a mix. His high spots are, I think, like when he's good, and there's like only a sliver of his stuff. He's like the vast majority of his stuff is pretty shit. But I mean, that's true. Like one, but that like one fifth is like really good stuff. I think like it's mm-hmm. like those Corman move the the Poe movies are really good. Um, I think like the X Ray, like he gets a point where he gets like his his movies just like pick up so much, and you're like, oh, this is great. And I think. Um, Oh, what's it called? Uh, Bucket of Blood. I think that's actually mm-hmm. a really good, like, low-budget movie. Uh, about, it's like, one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah, I, I think that movie... Like, I think Criterion could release it, and it wouldn't be inappropriate. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah well, that and uh, The Intruder. The Intruder. Uh, will be in our uh, our Roger Corman 2-pack for Criterion, I think. Mm-hmm. But, 100%. But, yeah, yeah. it's like, like what Jared said, for Core for Cor May, we got something out of it. And it's like, I think it's his mark on cinema history more than anything, which isn't really what we were going for uh, necessarily. But uh, that's a it's a nice kind of like offshoot from that. And like it's, what it's he produced, yeah, what he produced is like even a bigger influence in the stuff he directed. But he still directed like almost 60 movies, too, on top of it. So. Uh, oh, and mean, then what he produced yeah. like and then what he produced <laughs> yeah. it's like hundreds but we had a i had never even seen a roger corman movie before before we started that like i never watched any of the post stuff because i was just like oh i'll get to it eventually but uh in a grander sense why we started doing uh the ghoul school maze was that that night i or that day i was super sick 
and I watched all the Puppet Master movies in a single day. And then that <laughs> spurred on the Full Moon Entertainment Ghoul School for me. And then, I don't know, we just kind of took off from there, right? Um, do a little bit of Lloyd Kaufman and then uh, next Troll year. May or oh, May. I'm, oh, not yeah. looking, I'm not looking forward to Fred Olin Ray month. That might yeah. be uh, that might be tough, but we'll see. I- I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty excited I'm pretty excited. In terms of my vibing thing, I used to uh, dabble in that stuff a lot, but uh, I think it was like you know, you're 16, 17. Yeah, you know, substances. I don't want to say too many incriminating things, but uh, uh, I think like later in high school years we would just because that's what I don't know that's what we were doing as boys. We'd go for darts and uh, we'd go watch movies and we'd. Try to get a little wacky, you know, but we were never disruptive. So I, I think that's uh, respectful, respectful. Although one time in I think it was the third time I watched Batman Begins in theaters. Yes, I saw that movie three times in theaters. I think someone uh, <laughs> uh, there was a guy in there who turned around and he's like, come on, guys. And we're like, oh, sorry, but we were 16. So, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? do? Yep. No biggie. Oh, well. oh man. I'm in- we got an extra email on that the whole time. Holy shit. But uh, continuing on, Samuel Loveland. Ooh. Lo- Ooh. Love machine, RJ. The love machine. Hello, creeps. Tomorrow is American Thanksgiving. While my mm-hmm. family doesn't really celebrate it, we still like to get together and eat that day. Since you'll probably be getting several Thanksgiving questions, I'll keep it simple. Do you guys have any deep-cut turkey preparation tips? Maybe you season what? it a special <laughs> way or add some kind of special sauce. <laughs> I think this is a good question. I don't understand these emails where people like you have a show about movies and people <laughs> write in and ask you for turkey tips. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think the biggest, the, the one that I thought was the funniest, and I, this is a this is one of the rare moments where Jarrett and you, Double A, you get to see this. This is a genuine laugh out of Jarrett. Um, I don't. I think the best. Uh, description Jared said I can't remember if you said it on air or not but you're like you had a guy you knew who uh, he was trying to get his girlfriend or wife to listen and she's like what the fuck is this she's like they're just talking about soup for 20 minutes and it's like that's pretty much what our podcast is I guess it, it works well I don't know how it happened but it's here we're, we're gonna we're gonna do it right Jer? Uh RJ do you, do you have any tricky preparation uh. tips uh one year we brined it uh and that worked not too bad not too bad uh but you definitely don't want to get those pre-seasoned ones because the meat it tenses up a little bit and then it's a little stringy boys it's a little stringy so you definitely want to get you know a normal bird and uh i don't know the brining was okay uh and actually one one year we went to my uncle's and he was uh deep frying the turkeys and what he did was was he had a little injector and he loaded it up with hot sauce and he was going under into it and like loading hot sauce into it before he deep fried it. That was pretty good. I would do that again. So Hell if yeah. you go on, if you go on YouTube and type in like deep fry turkey, mm-hmm. I'm sure it will like auto complete for like accidents. <laughs> There's yeah. like so many like clip, like montage reels of mm-hmm. really atrocious turkey deep frying accident it's where like it's a very small container and then they put oh, the yeah. in and it just explodes 
Oh, I think there's that legendary King of the Hill episode where uh, they're deep frying everything they can get their hands on. And the reason I'm thinking about it now is I know Oliver Granger, uh, he is uh, watching King of the Hill and he just watched that. And uh, that's where deep frying can go wrong as well. King of the Hill's real life. That's a historical document also. So that's why I'm bringing that up. But uh, hey, Aaron Lang, uh, what do you do with your turkey? And also, do you have any big Cleveland turkey uh, turkey day plans or are you going to stay home and, uh, you know, bunker down? Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure what we're doing tomorrow. It kind of depends on the weather. We were My mom was going to make a fire and we were going to, like, eat turkey chili outside. Ooh. But we'll see. That sounds okay. Yeah, it does. It does. But it was shitty out all day today, like freezing mm. rain. So we'll see what tomorrow's like. Your weather might be like ours because we had a we had snow for about an hour, but it was wet snow, so none of it really stayed. It just kind of melted. Yeah, we haven't had anything stick yet. Just a little bit here and there. Yeah, Cleveland. Yeah. You know, it's like Canada. Yeah, We're not that's so, what they tell a, us. Just a lake between us. Oh, <laughs> uh, in one sense, yeah, in one sense. Well, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> what about you, Jared? You got R- any turkey day plans? RJ, RJ, could you point to Cleveland on a map? It's right. Uh, it's right there. Oh, okay. Very, very good. Right by yeah. the data poster. Yeah, you see my wall map? It's life-size. It's right beside it to the left. That's my life-size uh, map. I know where Cleveland is. Isn't it right uh, in Ohio? Yeah. That's right. Dave Chappelle <laughs> lives in Ohio, in Ohio. Did you guys know that? Does he um, still? I think so. He does. Yeah, Yellow Springs. Yeah. Out on a farm? Something like that. I've cool. actually never been there. My friend and I were going to drive out there once. But to see was, if you could see him? No, this is like before that show. Just like, it's kind of like a notorious, like, uh, well, there was this college there called Antioch, which I think shut down. Mm. And it was kind of this notorious, like, hippie, liberal oasis, like in the middle of nowhere. Nice. And we had nothing to do. We're like, let's go to Yellow Springs for the day. But then there was a chemical spill on the highway. <laughs> That, we just, that, that, that's like the most American thing I think I've ever heard it on was the show. We were stuck in traffic for just like hours and we never even got close. It was just like gridlock, chemical spill. That that honestly sounds like a Simpsons joke where it's like we were going to go to the hippie liberal uh, hoedown, <laughs> but there was a chemical spill. So we uh, we had to postpone that, you know, radiation and stuff. Mm-hmm. Vintage. Yeah. I've, I've got nothing on turkey preparation. I've, I've never... Should've... Your dad's a chef, right? You should ask him he one day. He Next makes time you it, see him. If he makes it like a, I guess like a typical old turkey. I mean, I've had like, it's kind of weird. I, I take for granted how good I've had it with uh, him doing it. Because it's always like, you know, properly cooked. Because when you have someone else do it and it's overcooked as hell. And you're like, how does, how does this happen? But yeah, I don't know. It happens, man. It happens. Samuel Lovely continues. Ooh, also, I know he's probably said it a million times, but is there a place I can access RJ's chili recipe? Yeah. That is, if he's willing to share it, or is there somewhere? See, now they're asking for recipes. Is or is there somewhere he said it previously? I'm trying to get into making chili now that winter is approaching, and I trust RJ's palate. Oh, buddy. Oh yeah. Well, RJ, I think oh, you need yeah. to, I don't think there's like any one episode, but I think you just need to make a, a post on Instagram. Okay, well, here, here's the thing. Uh, it's been presented to us before. Uh, so, Dart Count, we're on Dart 
three. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I love it, and I just wish I was you. Uh, There's a new ticker, dark ticker. Um, for our chili recipe, I think it's been brought up before. I think uh, Sugarhead Reese Haxtell, he was like, um, I think he put it out there that a new Patreon could goal could be the Creeps Cookbook. And, I mean, that's not to be confused with the Anarchist Cookbook. I know that they they have similar profiles, but it's a little bit different. Um, I think uh, for the Love Machine, because I know he had my back on uh, uh, Bad Girls Go to Hell, I think I can, I can hook him up with my chili recipe. But everyone else, you're going to have to wait for the Creeps Cookbook. Oh, man. You can get it on our Patreon. I think it'll be, what, like $89.99? Mm, sure. Or so. It'll be yeah. like 10 pages. Very reasonable. Yep. Uh, P.S. No disrespect intended to Sam Sanchez. Just having a bit of cheeky fun. Obviously, he's, for now, the number one Sam of Creeps Nation. Also, I'm going to try to follow along week by week with the movies you guys watch from now on, but we'll see how long that lasts. Thanks for your time, and have a great show. Sam, Love Machine, Loveland. Well, uh, many, many have tried. Yeah, many have tried. It almost sounded like you called him Slam, uh, Slam Love Machine. That's pretty good too. That's that's pretty good. So Slam uh, Love uh, Loveland. Uh, there have been a few who've tried. Uh, Josh Frazier was doing it, but we haven't heard from him in about two and a half years. So I don't Man, know what he's you're, doing. You're, you're, you're just you just keep bringing that up. But <laughs> I'm trying to get him back. I don't know if he's still listening. I want him to email in. He was uh, he was one of the old boys. So I'm trying to get him back. Uh, Oliver Granger. I know. Uh, He's uh, you know, he's watching King of the Hill, and uh, he's expressed uh, in our Instagram posts in the comments a few times how happy and fulfilling his life is when he's missed a week in the creeps where he doesn't watch that movie. And it's like, yeah, it's probably right. And then uh, there were a couple others who tried, right? But I, I don't know. Is there anyone who's actually kept up with us? Maybe just haven't written in. I don't know. Oliver's not was doing is doing okay. He's, yeah, he's he's a, yeah. he's a couple off. Yeah. yeah. He, this is this is as good as time as any. Aaron, do you give a shit about the Criterion Collection? Yeah. In what? In, in what? And like, sense? like, do you like? Yeah, I mean, people always like our YouTube channel. We get these comments from people that like. I think they're really mad that we're not taking it seriously, that we're not like doing like our due diligence and presenting like a proper prestigious. See, I think you do take it seriously. You just you're not reverent about it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't know. So, so just out of curiosity, like, how, like, because we haven't really asked you about like your movie uh, experience or life, or do you buy movies? Um, I know that like often uh, from every time I've paid attention to you know cartoonists, they usually have collections. I'm assuming you it's probably true. have long boxes and bookshelves filled with stuff because you have to have either. Like, that's just not just like including references, but like nowadays, I guess like we can find things online. For, you really like, reference. can't though. But there's certainly yeah, right. Depends on what you're doing though, because like your work is like kind of of an era as well. So you have to like find this stuff to figure out. Well, what it's the hell I mean, it looks all right, like, right? It's like you you can find things on Google Images. Like if you're looking, but everyone's going to yeah. But it's it's the it's you're essentially getting a lot. Of, it's clip art, you know. Like it won't have any good. There won't be any good lighting, yeah. or yep. it's really just it's very canned. Yeah. And I just had a stack of old life magazines the other day for like two bucks each. And every th- every fucking page is amazing. Mm. Like the most, dis- like the lamest, most disposable ad had like incredible graphic design or oh. incredible <laughs> art or just like really interesting ink they printed with. I mean, every single page looks beautiful. 
And now it's just like everything looks like shit. I mean, <laughs> yep. and, and there are exceptions, little boutique companies like the Criterion Collection do care about graphic design. And like even like the plastic of their cases feels like better. Like if you get like just a regular DVD of some Hollywood movie now, oh, the plastic feels like. Yeah. Well, because well, it's got like the recycling logo kind of carved into it to reduce on the amount of plastic. And then on top of that, it's like, yeah, like you said, it's like super thin stuff. And it just like feels like it's going to collapse and it doesn't hold up at all. And then compared to like what was it, the Amaray case that uh, Criterion's been doing and like I think Arrow and stuff like that, where it's like these heavy duty plastic cases, maybe not environmentally friendly, but it's like, I don't fucking care. It's like, it feels like, I don't know, a product. I guess it's got some substance to it. Like it'll hold up under some pressure. And yeah, it, it also gives it like, oh, hey, you should pay attention to this. Like on my shelf, I've got stuff that like, you know, it looks designed uh, with intent rather than like cutting corners. I don't know. Um, but I guess Maybe. like that. Yeah. So, so out of curiosity, do you, uh, do you collect movies? Like, do you like, do you, are you into the vinegar syndrome stuff? Or I is, buy movies. Yeah. I don't collect them. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, I, I know what he's that, saying. That's a Kinda healthy. Like that yeah, that's a healthy well, way of thinking about it. Kept the Criterion movie, right? And I don't know if Oof. he kept up with that or stopped. But I mean, like that's. I mean, that's expensive. Yeah. How many of those movies? And it's not like they. It'd be one thing if like Criterion went out of business, you know, and you're like, well, this is it. There's like a there's a completion on this. Yeah. Then to, to have to buy all those and they're just keep making more. And how many of those movies do you want to rewatch? You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> none now uh, yeah. <laughs> right uh but i do buy criterion movies when they have the sale um i you know and the thing is and this is on me but a lot of the cooler companies like vinegar syndrome and is it is it arrow yeah mm-hmm. okay that's one of them yeah um a lot of them they don't even have a dvd anymore it's just blu-ray mm-hmm. And right. like, I don't have a fucking Blu-ray player. That's on me. Uh, oh, you're one of those people. Because <laughs> that's why people ask sometimes, like, why don't... Because I've seen... Like, I, w- I wouldn't mind if they put both into one collection. But I know Criterion, they switched so that it's now Blu-ray and DVD separate. Because for about two, three years, they did both, which is great. Um, but and then I do... I know that some companies, like, they sell, sell more DVDs than they sell Blu-rays. And that's why DVDs still keep coming out. And I'm always like, who still has DVDs? But... You did you, you. They look fun. Since the man yeah. with the landline. Um, yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. Dude, dude has a landline phone and he's giving you shit for not having a Blu-ray. I don't, I don't get it personally. Like, I don't see the difference. Um, yeah, and especially like on like certain movies, actually, I think Blu-ray looks worse. Some movies do kind of wind up looking mm-hmm. worse. Like uh, when I watched Halloween in 4K, I was like, "Man, this uh, this John Carpenter production really starting to fall apart now." So which like, is like, which is crazy. Like, like mm-hmm. at what point is like high definition bad? A deterrent, yeah. Right. Like, what's the definition of film? Is that, like it's not detriment, yeah. You know, it's like super, it's like surpassing that. It's like, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to see the pancake makeup on the news anchor. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're not yep. supposed to see the string holding the pie plate UFO. Mm-hmm. And everything starts to look like fake. Yeah. See, that's For why, 
Yeah, that's kind of like that motion smoothing stuff, right? Or like when the frame rate is like a little too high. And like whenever you go into a store or when you used to and they were playing DVDs on the TVs that they were selling and they're like moving too fast or if you've ever gone. Well, that's like a different thing altogether for me, I think. Like, cause like it, it is, but it's like yeah. I, they were trying to sell that for a while, weren't well, it's, they? It's, that it's like still, motion it's, and stuff. It's still the default on TVs. Is that? Yeah. So, so I mean, sports, is that a sports thing? Yeah, maybe, I don't know what it I, is. Well, yeah, because they remember they shoot sports on like a different frame rate for the, the yeah. for the action or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think that is the deep. Most people don't even know what, the, what I'm talking about when I go over to their place. I'm like, what the fuck? And I start playing with their settings. I'm like, this it looks like dog shit. Um, they not even like, oh, the effects are bad. It's like, no, like it, it the persistence of vision. Well, is yeah, just people buy it wrong. Like, yeah, they, yeah, they buy like the top top of the line thing, and then they they watch it like shit. Uh, a friend of mine did explain blu-rays to me and that he said that the sound is way better yeah well, I, I mean i don't it, have a sound system so it doesn't fucking yeah. make a difference yeah I've, I've never had a sound system either um but yeah like I, one thing that I'm, i was looking at getting was the uh, uh i love uh, maniac uh, the william mm-hmm. lustig movie and like there's like a 4k version of it but i'm like i think every time i've watched it since dvd it looks worse because <laughs> it's like i love this the kind of like this the lower res quality that's closer to like, I don't want necessarily VHS, but like DVD hits the right balance of it. But when you start getting into 4k, you start, you just start seeing the makeup and you see the, like mm-hmm. the production. You're like pretty sure that nobody wants you to see that. Cause it's just, yeah, it can be, a, I think it can be a drawback uh, for sure. But sometimes you watch like those, uh, like, I don't know, like a 1940s, like black and white thing where it's like, you were talking about like costumes and photography and production. And like, it's, it's what a showcase of it. You're just, you look at how immaculate some of those productions are and 4k can be a good trade-off if you see it. Well, I mean, if you see it in the theater, I don't know like what the difference is between 2k and 4k to the naked eye i don't think you can really tell but mm-hmm. it's just certain tones that maybe pick up a little bit better here and there but it's slight i mean i'm not going to shame you for having a dvd player with my landline i guess is what i'm saying <laughs> mm-hmm. well, I, I, so i watch i got a i got a flat screen i have a big desktop computer and that's what yeah. we watch movies on and whatnot that's what i'm sitting at right now right and so they don't have like internal disk drives anymore you have to buy an yeah. extra one and the other year I did buy, I was like, let's get a Blu-ray one. And the fucker, so I had a DVD player, it broke. I got another one, it broke. I was like, let's get a Blu-ray. And it broke in like less than six months. Wow. And so then I just bought the biggest, clunkiest external <laughs> disk drive. And it's, I had it for years. And I'm not replacing it until it breaks. And the Blu-ray, I, you know, I had the Blu-ray player I bought, not broken. I own Blu-rays. But mm-hmm. so... Hey, man, I'm with you. Like, when people ask Jarrett, write in the questions and ask him about 4K and things like that, I don't know. It's like what I always say, like, I don't notice that stuff when I'm watching anyways, but, like, eh, And the DVDs whatever. put a criteria, they're, like, what, five bucks cheaper? Yep. Yeah. You know? Yep. They're good enough for me. Yep. <laughs> hey, that's uh, that's the the brand of our podcast. Good enough for you. But I just you wish know? Vinegar Syndrome and Arrow and whatnot like weren't doing these blu-ray only releases mm. but maybe i maybe i should be careful what i wish for because i didn't start wasting money on that crap yeah. that's right Just wait, wait until it's a digital only releases <laughs> more emails gentlemen oh, from actium jackson maximus Ooh, an email hey. entitled dilbert oh no <laughs> hey creeps 
Hope your weeks are going well. With the brief discussion of Alan Moore last week, I was wondering what your mm. thoughts on his works are, uh, the less acclaimed works in particular. I remember one of the first episodes I heard Jarrett discussing his copy of Lost Girls, highly <sighs> problematic, and his work uh-huh. outside of his DC stuff overall seems to be pretty hit or miss with people. His Swamp Thing is probably one of my favorites, and 12-year-old me wasn't ready for From Hell, so maybe it's due for a revisit. Furthermore, with the discussion of the greatest comic strip of all time, Dilbert, I was curious about comic strips that you enjoyed. I remember enjoying, uh, really enjoying Calvin and Hobbes and the Peanuts mm-hmm. as a kid. Keep up the great work, Jackson. So I'll just go off before I let you two big comic boys going on there. Yeah, Dilbert's pretty cool. I also like Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> Also, big lasagna cat boy. I mean, I think we're all lasagna cat uh, Garfield guys now. Uh, but yeah, I, I haven't read a lot of Alan Moore. I like Swamp Thing. I read some of his other stuff. But uh, all I know is that Jarrett has a copy of that Lost Girls, and I'm pretty sure he could get arrested for owning that. But uh, that's my only input. So I'll let, I'll let you guys take her away. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, uh, Aaron. What do what do you think about Alan Moore? I like Alan Moore. I think he's uh, he's got a really messy body of work. Yeah, and like like some of like the projects he's taken or the artists he's worked with, you're like, what? Why were you doing this? <laughs> um, but I, no, I think some of his stuff's very good. I mean, there's a lot of bad, there's a lot of fanboy baggage, but that's not his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I need to read some of his more deeper cuts like Promethea or whatever, but you know, I've read Watchmen and all that. Uh, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, Promethea for me is like, I've read that probably more than a lot of his stuff for whatever reason. I just, I really find it. It's the closest thing to like his worldview of uh, his magic stuff that I find fascinating. And he's been working on that one project of his, the big bumper book of magic or whatever it's called for like, 15 20 years with that the other more Stephen Moore his one collaborator mm-hmm. I'm really curious when if that's ever ever going to come out but uh yeah I mean I pretty well own everything he's done like just because I work at a comic store and I see all this stuff deep cuts there I, I actually like that collection of um shorter stuff he did for DC they put it all together yeah yeah the whatever it is uh I think it's got, it's got a very generic title, too. So yeah, like, uh, yeah. I mean, some of that, I mean, that's got his, like, the Superman stuff he wrote. Yep. Which really, I mean, it's really, if you wanted to read a Superman comic and you only wanted to read one. <laughs> read did, you one ever, did you ever one. see those uh, comics he did, the Supreme stuff for Liefeld, where he basically just got to do... Because uh, uh, <laughs> no. So the only thing that was good, because uh, Chris Sprouse drew some of them, and so some of the art on those were good, but, like... There's a whole lot of other stuff in between. Uh, I got so like... if someone were to hand me a stack of all that stuff, yeah, I would stop what I was doing and read it immediately. Right. But I, there's no way I'm going to make any effort to find them. Oh, I don't. I, I don't know. Like the chances of me finding them around this neck of the woods is like zero. I imagine like Cleveland and Ohio has got to have some like decent comic stores that have like weird like dollar back issue bins like there's, there's actually some chance if you actually but you'd have to like set out to do it i think and yeah. there's like checker books put out collections of like the supreme stuff but they were garbage reprints like just Check, app- checkers terrible yeah oh yeah i i didn't realize how bad they were because at the time when i was reading these i was just like oh i was just happy to be able to read them and then uh 
going back to try looking at them again, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, you see, like, the, the, it's like been so badly scanned. Like, it's like they were saying and stuff like that. Printed pages. It's like second generation. Yeah. Yeah. Like bright white, glossy paper. And, yeah. Yeah. I remember, like, I, I'm still, uh, I have some of like their Flash Gordon reprints and, like, they're, not very well like they didn't clean them up at all and i didn't buy the like gigantic ones i think like i'm not sure fanographics or titan comic titan books or something like that put about like I a gigantic so version of it they're not yeah those i should have bought them but now as uh, these things go they just rotate out but uh cinema purgatorio that he did with kevin o'neill was like this like weird little horror anthology thing it wasn't too bad with avatar of all things uh and then there's like the stuff he's like other stuff with eddie campbell that wasn't too it was kind of interesting, like Birth Call and uh, Snakes and Ladders. But that's kind of more of like the Promethea kind of vein of things. I'll tell and, you what, I've actually been getting into the people that, uh, and I don't say this as an accusation, the people that Alan Moore ripped off. Okay. I don't say that with any judgment. Yeah. So like people that influenced him, like uh, Ian Sinclair, I discovered over the summer and started reading. He's an incredible writer. Uh, Michael Moorcock, who I've been reading for some time. Yeah. And you, you read these, the it's there's a whole strain of this type of thought in the like English people, these kind of like every town has this weird, like eccentric and even like a Tolkien's of this tradition. And uh, you read these guys, and you're like, Oh, this is where Alan Moore is like getting his shit. And Neil right. Gaiman too. Yeah. Did you say Neil diamond? Yeah. Neil diamond, <laughs> that's right. Like Jewish <laughs> helmets. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I like Neil Diamond. Nice. <laughs> what do you guys? I'd recommend checking out Ian Sinclair. I was just going. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I have. Just to a skim. I don't think I've read any Ian Sinclair at all. They refer to him as a filmmaker. I guess I see. Hmm. I think he's made some shorts. But... Okay. Yeah, it's weird that they do it because primarily everything is like bibliography, stuff like that. And well, yeah, he's got like a handful of film stuff that he's done over the years. But yeah, mostly it's film stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I've read Michael Moorcock. Um, I've read those. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. Red Elric way back when. And uh, I just reread those. They hold up. Yeah. They're good. Where do you guys fall on Garfield? <laughs> Jim Davis. Man. Are you pro lasagna or anti lasagna? I love the lasagna. People want to know. I love lasagna. Yeah, well, what about lasagna cat? Well, lasagna cat's a great, great uh, online project, but so pro Garfield. Pass. <laughs> All right. What about you, Double A? Are you pro Garfield or anti Garfield? I think Calvin and Hobbes is great. Yes. Yes. Good answer. Good answer. Nice. What about Heathcliff? Any Heathcliff boys out there? <laughs> You know, uh, so the Calvin and Hobbes thing, uh, I think it was like Jason Shiga has been like posting like these random pages from like a reread of Calvin and Hobbes. And man, some of that stuff is shit. <laughs> like, so it's like, that's a, mm. that's like a really bad weekly strip. I mean, on the whole, there's some really good stuff, but man. So Barely doing... what, like, like sentimental or not funny? Or... Yeah, like not even a joke. It's like, it was like, like, what is the joke here? And you're like, it's like, it's impossible mm. to tell. I think it's like, a, it's about the dad in particular, but some of the... So, I mean, whatever, like when you're doing a weekly strip like that, there's going to be some misses here and there, you know, or you get good enough. You like have the confidence to like not need to be funny. Yeah. That's like us, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm pro Calvin and Hobbes, but yeah. you know, he's an Ohio guy. Ooh, <laughs> just like Dave Chappelle. Hey, look at that. We got a kitty. 
That's kid right. count is up to plus one for the podcast. Hopefully we can get it to more than that, but good looking cat. Next email, Sam Sanchez. Ooh, hey again, Sam number two here. So first <laughs> of all, I will concede that I was beaten to the punch by the other Sam and will be number two despite being number one in your hearts. Something Sam number one brought up that we are a little simpatico with is that not really knowing Jarrett's taste and what he'll like, especially on mm-hmm. newer films. I've always thought of Jarrett liking an older film as a flip of the coin than a newer movie as a roll of the dice, except it's a lot less than a one in six chance. Like I enjoyed mm-hmm. Sisters Brothers from last year. Was that last year? But it wouldn't have jumped out at me as something mm-hmm. to be recommend Jared in particular to check out you just never know I'm, I'm i agree wild, i'm a wild card i guess mm-hmm. and i forgot who brought up watching the wrong movie the only time i did i can recall doing that was actually both buying and watching the wrong movie i ordered what mm-hmm. i thought was the blu-ray for the george cooker 1944 version of gaslight from bfi and sat down and watched it a little while in it hit me that i was watching the 1940 version of the movie and had no idea that's what i had bought i simply finished watching it and immediately after watched the 1944 version through other means Next, we'd mm-hmm. like to thank Mr. Maximus for defending us, uh, defending all us bad dudes out there for our taste. Yeah. Speaking of which, curious if Jared is planning any Vinegar Syndrome Black Friday shopping this weekend. New stuff like Fade to Black, Beastmaster 4K, and Giallo Set 2 are coming out, which I've already pre-ordered. Not too sure what else I plan to toss in, though. All right, guys, mm-hmm. keep up the slog. Well, <laughs> slog is right, I guess. That's, that's right. Um, yeah, we'll, 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 we're going to talk about uh, Batter Girls Go to Hell uh, shortly. Please. We are? We, oh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you watch it? I did. I did watch it. Oof. It was on Daily Motion. So I was like, there we go. Oh, baby. The we'll, anticipation on oh, this yeah, one. We'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, yeah, and Vinegar Syndrome Sale. I will take a look when it starts tomorrow night at 10 o'clock our time. And mm-hmm. see, see what I, bought, I want. I guess, must, I guess it's a year ago now. This was, I would have been the uh, sale last year. I bought the Tanny and the T-Rex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got it, and I watched it, and I was like, why the fuck did I buy this? And my <laughs> wife said, because you're mm-hmm. a hipster lemming. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's a sick burn, as the kids would say. <laughs> she had dead to rights. Like, this is like a movie that does not need to exist in, like, a deluxe format. It was... Mm-hmm. You know, one thing if I still had like roommates and like smoked weed, then that movie would definitely actually get some traction. Mm-hmm. But like as like a sober adult who like never has friends over, that movie's going to collect dust because that would be a good party movie. Yeah, definitely. And that's what I think I thought when or I think I said when I watched it, too. I was like and like there's been a lot of movies like that, like these big buzz movies like Suburban Sasquatch was like that, too. Big buzz movies. But uh, think movies that people watch together and get like a lot of fun out of. I just watch alone in my basement and I'm like, yeah, like, I don't know. It's just kind of shitty. It's like it's not even like funny shitty. It's just kind of shitty. But uh, <laughs> in good news, Kitty Count is up to two now, Jared. Did you oh. notice that? No, I, I've got the emails open, so I'm not looking at the video feed. No. Well, oh, we got a that. we got a plus two in the kitty count, so uh, things are going good. Things are going good. Will there be more kitties, Aaron? No, I only have two. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean that's two more than we had last week. That's true. So that's good. No, well, then well, Hazel did her uh, pre-vomiting before the show. Yeah, I don't think she's gonna puke in here again. But yeah, I mean, you never know. My cat threw up right by me uh, just about an hour ago. So yeah, it happens, man. That's the cat life. Cat life. One last email, Justin Peterson. 
the most wonderful time of the year. Hey, Jared and RJ, what's happening? So referring back to the title of this email, I am not talking about American Thanksgiving dinner or the start of the Christmas season. I am talking about this time around Thanksgiving each year when my wife is off doing stuff with her mom, so me and my boys get the house all to ourselves to have a yearly movie marathon. Past themes have been Batman movies, Indiana Jones, and watching Lord of the Rings back to back to back. But in order to give my movie count for the year a serious boost and not get behind on writing reviews, we are doing all rewatches. Check out my list and let me know which of yours of uh, which what, what each of your picks of what to watch would be. Hmm. Do you have access to said? I do. I'm going to say for the sake of time. I don't know if we want to look at that tonight. Sorry, Justin. Oh, okay. I will continue on with the goat movie question of the week. Sure. How about Keanu Reeves? <laughs> are you guys How fans? Else? How are you guys fans? And which of his movies is your favorite? I would say Speed. And I fucking love the music in that movie. Keanu Reeves. It seems like he, everyone just likes him because he's so nice. Ripper's Edge, baby. Yeah, that's that is good. That that's that, one of my favorite movies. Period. That that, that line where, where he's talking, where he tells us when he's talking to his stepdad. <laughs> Food <laughs> eater. <laughs> yeah, that's. I haven't about, seen that, but it sounds fun. It's that, RJ. It's like an anti-John Hughes movie. Oh, I think I'd be into that. It's an 80s teen movie, but it's like white trash, Pacific Northwest, mm. Crispin Glover, Keanu Reeves, and his like stoner apex. I, I Dennis Hopper's in it. Yeah. I think it's incredible. That sounds cool. I well, mean, I've heard of it a bunch. I just have never seen it. But your description. The director is... actually did a couple Twin Peaks episodes, like the OG Twin Peaks. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah. Well, when I rewatched river's edge god a few years ago i was really struck by how like the weird similarities it has because he was the tim hunter was the mm-hmm. i think he i think he shot blue velvet or or he worked on it so like there's something there's some weird connect or it's, they both have the same cinematographer it was what i look i discovered yeah i can um, see that and then there's like yeah this like dead girl on the bank of a river and you're like yeah huh yeah frederick elms is the uh yeah he shot like racerhead blue velvet um and yeah river's edge yeah, no, River's Edge is quite good, and probably from the '80s, the best Keanu Reeves performance. Yeah, I mean, mm. I've actually I've seen 23 Keanu Reeves movies. RJ, hey, do you know how many I've seen? You're never gonna guess. 46. 23. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Same. Wow, weird confluence there, Adrian. Yeah, an odd one. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, my fake answer would be Johnny Mnemonic, because that's a silly movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but my real answer is a mix-up between Constantine, which I've always liked, and I'm not afraid to say it. I know that it's not like the comics. I don't give a shit. I, I like him in that. Uh, and then uh, my real answer is Hardball. You guys ever seen Hardball? It's a sports film. It's about baseball. Can't say as I have. No, it's good. So like he, uh, it's kind of like uh, Dangerous Minds, where he he gets in trouble with some bookies, so he becomes a uh, a kids baseball coach in uh, one of the like the more like lower income parts of town in Chicago. So you know that's close to Ohio, right? Six hours. There you go. You could go and see where they Six filmed hours. Hardball. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So you could go and. It had Keanu Reeves, Diane Lane, Michael B. Jordan, John Hawks. Pretty all-star cast here, guys. Pretty stacked. I'm thinking. Yeah, that's a good show. Good quality show. 
too bad. Uh, so thinking of Jared and his painting minifigures hobby, do you have any other unusual or nerdy hobbies, especially ones you like to do while half watching movies or TV? Earlier this year, after spending buckets of money on getting people to sew scout patches for me, I finally learned mm-hmm. to do it myself. Since then, I've been working on a patch blanket and also patch jackets for each of us, and I attached some pictures. Jared, have you posted any pics of your minifigures to social media for Creeps Nation to check out? I have mm. not. <laughs> I have not. I have, I, it's, it's, it's for me. It's for me. It's my hobby. My stupid hobby. <laughs> you, you're, this is this podcast has always already ruined movie watching for us. Maybe let's not ruin any more. Hey, Jer. That's right. That's right. Yep. Uh, other unusual nerdy hobbies. Fuck. I don't know. We. we... <laughs> I, I feel like we've talked about them at some point. Whatever there would be. So I don't. I don't know. I'm not a huge nerd like this guy, so I don't have any, but, uh, I mean, I like to have a cold one with the boys, maybe have a, have a dart or two. Is that a weird hobby, Jarrett? I mean, you've, I mean, you at one point collected Bane statues. I still have the Bane statue. (laughs) Your one Bane statue? I have a Bane statue. Uh, I had the matching Batman one, but I sold it because I'm a responsible adult. It's like movie Bane? It was Movie Bane. <laughs> you know where I got Movie Bane statue? Uh, some guy sold it to me. He pressured me into buying it. He's like, I, wa- I want you to buy this. And I was like, okay. I was like 25. I was like, ooh. I didn't know what, what money was. Just buying Bane statues. <laughs> now you still have it. I, I do, yeah. I I, I like that one. I'm going to keep that one. But uh, no more Bane statues. I'm trying to get a wharf statue or you know <laughs> or a, a wharf a quark or a gynan something like that would, would you settle for a, a bust a bust yeah. yeah if it was a one-to-one wharf bust like oh, wow. i want like his shoulders and head full wharf head where it's like six feet tall like you know what about collectible plates uh, <laughs> i have a couple i, I believe commemorative is <laughs> the proper yeah. uh <laughs> well, you, so you're going that road you really have to get like Something with like Beverly Crusher, Deanna Troy. Ooh, that would be good. I uh, my mom added some commemorative plates, but they had like the Calgary Stampede or like Prairie or Cats on it. But you know, I don't have any Star Trek plates. I'd love one. I might be able to hook you up. You got Star Trek plates? I, I think I might have from like a an uncle a 25th anniversary Star Trek commemorative plate. Ooh, you no. Know? Yeah, go steal that when he's not there or when he's sleeping. Hey, no, one it, thing I yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say one thing I do have. You should definitely steal that for me if you can. Get like me. just take it without him knowing, so I don't have to pay him for it. Uh, one thing I do have is I have all of the collectible McDonald's Batman mugs from Batman Forever. So I got like the Two Face mug, wow. the Jim Carrey mug. Not just one set. Get get this, you guys. I have three full sets of those mugs. They're they're good they're good drinking mugs so uh, I'm not gonna share them with you guys but I just wanted to lord that over you for a minute. Those are made of glass. I remember those. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they're high quality, man, and they're good little like uh like um if you like a, a cocktail or something like that, a highball, you know, uh, they're good for that. They're like a perfect short glass, or you know, you put some eggnog in there if yeah, you, yeah, you don't indulge. Real eggnog quality. It's a hundred percent an eggnog cup for sure. So yeah. pretty cool. No pretty argument cool. there. And why I remember these cups so so vividly, I have no idea. I think 
I think they just had great marketing. Everyone remembers those cups, right? Well, people kept them. Like, yeah. you yeah. still see them in someone's kitchen. Yeah, because they were good. They were made well. Like, my, what are they, like, 20 years old now? I still have them, and I still, like, I run them through the dishwasher. They're good. They've never broke. Oh. Compared I think to they're like good a, cups. Uh, Ikea glassware that's, like, all scratched up and disgusting after, like, a year. Yeah. Uh, our new glasses we have right now, they go through and they just smell like dog shit. I don't know what it is. It's like, <laughs> well, quit putting dog like, shit in the washer, man. <laughs> I thought we cleaned our dishwasher three times and we're like, why do these cups stink? It's like, I think it's just what they're made out of. Because the McDonald's cups go in there, come out fine. Just they don't make stuff as good as they used to, Jared. Yeah. <sighs> Dag nabbit. Dang it. You got any unusual or nerdy hobbies, double A? You know, I'm sure my wife would say I do. Uh, I probably have a million. I just don't necessarily yeah. think of them as hobbies, you know? And, like, I'm the kind of guy that – the more just, like – nothing's ever, like, for, like for fun with me. Everything's like, oh, it's like, well, this is research. Yep. Or oh. uh, I, get, I get very, like, obsessive and compulsive and, you know, if I'm interested in something, I go pretty all the way with it. Oh, I feel that one. I feel that. Oh, you making lists, you know? Yep. Lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, compo- yeah, I don't know what it is. Like, I guess it's like, for me, it's always like I justify it somehow by being like, well, I want to have it available to me. So it's like a lot more useful for me to have this physical thing, even though there's a very good chance I will look at it once. And so I'm like, why don't I interlibrary loan this book rather than like, oh, I got I have to get a copy of it. Then I have to like find out, I have to look at that bibliography and I have to track down all these other things that sound might be interesting. And you just start going down these rabbit holes and then like, I got to see what this thing is. And there's no I way. know. Yeah. It never I... stops. Mm-hmm. Uh, foodie question of the week. I'm oh, pretty baby. sure you guys you have guys talked. start a second podcast to field the no, food. No, no, no. I mean, no, we just slammed we're bursting it. At, we're bursting at the pod. seams. Foodie question of the week. I am pretty sure you guys have talked turkey a handful of times on the show. So what are your thoughts on Chinese food? Whoa. I pretty much love it all, but I especially like spicy shrimp with crispy chow mein and cashews. Also, I use plenty of soy sauce and Chinese mustard, and I have some mad chopstick skills that I picked up while eating lots of sushi in college. Yeah, Chinese food is awesome. These people, is this a joke? These people that write, is this like a they very, love... very dry joke? Or because I don't know if it's the way you read it, because it's always sounds very sincere. Like there's people out there, like I want to know. I don't know what. No one, like everyone else, no one writes to tell you anything. They're no. always like, "What do you guys think about <laughs> Chinese food?" I, 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 I think. Who fucking cares what you think about Chinese food? <laughs> I I, I, I I think it's because you never know what RJ is going to say. I think that's what it really is. Because I usually don't have opinions on anything. And RJ, yeah. he has some anecdote. So that's I think that's why it kicks loose these yeah. things in RJ's head that you're like, I have no idea. I never knew that was something that anyone could do. <laughs> but I think that's why. So there's it's yeah. sincere. I think. Uh, I I don't know, but I. Double A, I agree with you. Why does anyone care? But why does anyone care what we think about the Criterion movies? Like we tell people that actively it's like who gives a shit that's what we're here for theoretically yeah yeah but like and i don't know i don't know why anyone cares what we think at all anyways so it's like you know what if they want to talk about food they want to talk about movies as i always say who gives a shit chinese food i got a lot of opinions on this uh i'm a big chinese food boy uh our local we don't have a ton we have like five here and one of our big 
we've lost three of them in the last couple of years just because they went under. One of them got hit with a huge sanitation thing, double A. They had cockroaches in there and they were still open. And just so you know, we don't have cockroaches here. Not really. I've we never don't. seen one in real life, ever. Not not where we live. So the fact that they were in this restaurant was extremely alarming because everyone was like, I thought those didn't exist in Creepsville. So that was a that was a very challenging, challenging thing for us. Uh, Chinese food, I like to do a little thing. So uh, Andrea always makes fun of our family because the Baylog method, as I'm sure you're know, uh, you guys know, is to get the... Uh, excessive amount of something and just hope it works out because it's always like better to have too much than not enough. Yeah. I so, mean, that's kind of, if you're ordering food, yeah. Pizza in Chinese is too much. is kind of part of the deal mm -hmm. and they're it's both good the deal. next day. Yeah. But like what we would do is if there was four people, we'd probably get like a dinner for 10 just because it's like, <laughs> we got to have enough. <laughs> and then Andrews, she'll always like, and she's right. She'll just be like, "What are you? What are you doing?" She's like, "Why are you buying this much Chinese food?" And I'm like, "I don't know. We just want to make sure we have enough." Uh, I, I like chicken balls, but they always wrap them in too much, uh, too much um, batter breading. Uh, I like ginger beef a lot, but ginger beef is tricky because I think sometimes people either put too much sugar into it, or it's not. It doesn't have a little spice to it. Not enough ginger. Uh, I'm a big Shanghai noodle guy. I like the Shanghai noodles. I like them a lot. Uh, what else do we got? Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, man. I got a lot of Chinese food opinions. Uh, best place in town used to be Haroba. Uh, shout out to Haroba at the University of uh, Creepsville. That was the number one for a while. Um, but it's also because we got slammed with lots of different things. Uh, what else we got with Chinese food? I, I feel like I was going to say something else, but I don't know. So my brother lives about uh, 40 minutes south of us in a rural community and they have one Chinese food store. And uh, one time they were driving Chinese around food store, one, one Chinese food restaurant. And uh, he was like driving around. It's a really small town. I think the population is 900 people or something like that. And uh, they drove around and in the back of the Chinese restaurant, they had um, chickens hanging on the fence. And I know that sounds like an old wives tale from like farm people, but someone went and took a picture of it because they just had like plucked chickens outside. But which isn't like the most alarming thing, but I think it was a day later they were still out there and it was like they weren't protected by anything. They were just like on a lawn fence, like what you'd have in front of your residential house. So people in uh, this small community were like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> and uh, I think that restaurant was called yummies <laughs> so i don't know i don't know if that's enlightening or not but uh you know i like i like the chinese food it's good stuff good stuff yeah i mean who doesn't love chinese food i think jared's family usually gets chinese food on uh, christmas eve right that or that was your tradition for a while yeah time? yeah that uh, well it was and now it's well yeah we've kind of gone over to pizza because ordering chinese food on christmas eve is a pain in the ass mm -hmm. they're busy <sighs> you no know, yeah, it's just one of the only places it's still open until whatever eight o'clock, and people just do it, and yeah. every everywhere everyone does it. So it's yeah, a it's Jewish just, thing. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, cause, which I didn't. Yeah, I think because they talked about it in that one. Um, there's a documentary about like the history of uh, Chinese food restaurants, uh, General mm -hmm. Sao's Chicken River. It is. It was like a Netflix thing, and yeah, they talked about like yeah, there's this whole thing, but like for on Christmas Day, it's like yeah, like that's what Jewish families did. Cause it's like oh, 
you eat out, you have Chinese food. That's uh, your mm-hmm. that's your thing. Makes yep. sense. What about you, Double A? Any uh, big Chinese food uh, things that you're a big fan of, or you know, just whatever? I'm not gonna play this game. I'm not gonna be <laughs> the unnecessary okay. food talk. Okay, sounds good. I'm here to fun. talk about yeah. international cinema. Wow! Oh, fine artisanal <laughs> cinema. Well, we're, right. we're, we're almost one, almost, almost. Uh, uh-huh. Toy talk. <laughs> so recently, while toy shopping with the kids, I noticed that they have brought back He-Man action figures at Walmart. He-Man was a little before my time, so this is the first time I have ever seen these toys in stores. Did you have any He-Man toys growing up? And what other retro toys would you like to see make a comeback? I would love to see the Spider-Man animated series toys come back and collect all those all things we've almost talked about, except for we didn't specifically talk about toy man, uh, about, uh, the toy version. He-Man. Yeah. But yeah, the the '80s thing, He Man. That's a that's a thing. Um, yeah, I, I loved He Man toys when I was a kid. But I got them. Yeah, they're they're pretty cool, and I've seen like a like Mondo does those like twelve inch sized uh, recreations of them, which is like it's so strange to make a, just like a giant version of the toy itself, like where it doesn't look any way different. It's like oh, this was like a limitation and cheap kind of corners being cut packaging of this toy but now we're just going to make it bigger and sell it to you for like 120 bucks mm-hmm. strange to me but i don't know um i don't want i don't want to be a toy person <laughs> i guess like as an adult is one of the big things i mean sure here i am painting minifigs but that's uh that's co- that's completely different completely different not the same um so i don't know i got i got nothing for what i would say is like i would buy that maybe like weird old Godzilla cheap, cheap choice. Cause I see sometimes there's yeah. stuff they get from Japan. That's like hundreds of dollars. That's absurd, but well, there's, they're not toys anymore. I understand. Like, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, they're, they're fake. They're market. They're made for adults. They're priced for adults. Oh yeah. They're, mm-hmm. they're just stupid. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Um, he Man was before me, so I got I got no put input on He Man. Although I do think it's one of the greatest names of all time. I might name a kid He Man if I ever have one. He Man, the girl, right? That's my only input. That's all I got. That's all you got. All right, that's it for emails. Holy shit, uh, RJ, did you actually watch any movies? No, that's okay. But, but I watched some Star Trek, baby. Well, let me just say before you get to the very important DS9 uh-huh. the, uh, that I watched Bad Girls Go to Hell upon to, to settle to settle the controversy. Okay. 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 So I checked this out. Uh, RJ was not a fan. Yes. Um, but then I've been I've been hearing from our guest here, Aaron, that mm-hmm. it, don't listen to RJ. Uh, mm-hmm. Jackson was also saying don't do it. Sam Sanchez, uh, don't I think do he, got, he don't listen to RJ or don't, don't watch it. Don't, don't listen don't, to me. Don't, don't don't listen to RJ. I think is what you yeah. said. Yeah. Um, but so I'm like, okay, well I'm going to check this out, and uh, I'm glad I did because I think RJ, bad girls go to hell, is uh. <laughs> It was a very entertaining. <laughs> entertaining, did yeah, you say? Is that yeah, yeah entertaining? Okay. Yeah, Get... I mean, you have to like. I mean, maybe my expectations were lowered, and I knew exactly sure. what I was going into because you watched this 
for horror month correct i did i didn't i didn't really look into it a lot which is my mo i don't look into anything i just Mm -hmm. jump into it yeah so uh i i had it in creeptober uh, were were you disappointed like when you were watching this that there was no bad girls going to hell that was actually yeah that was part of my disappointment i Mm -hmm. I found the title misleading i know hell is a metaphor or something like that you know like something Something. Yeah, it was well, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely something in this. Like, yeah. I I don't know. I don't know what uh the intention of Doris Wishman was, or the uh, does this actually have a screenwriter? Let's find out right now. Let's settle it. Well, I mean, it's not. I mean, you guys are you <laughs> with the subgenre. Oh yeah, Ruffies. So, yes. Ruffies. I, so one of uh on on old Letterbox, I have a list called it's like the 1960s maniacs, perverts, deviants, degenerates, sex freaks, and fiends list where I've kind of compiled this like this window of time where these like low budget like black and white like just like scumbag movies I guess uh, were being made just because man they were finding them there's a market for it and yeah they mostly just depicted like you know your typical like buxom women. Like very much of the time, I guess. Like they're like you know, D star actresses for the most part. Like people you've never heard of, which adds to this like anonymous quality to everything. Because like everybody looks so real, they don't look well, like don't actors. Like a lot of the time. Yeah, like yeah, like yeah, they're they're performers <laughs> and like, uh, broads. Yeah, and so you have movies like yeah, amazing titles like. Bad girls go to hell. Flesh, flesh and lace. The defilers. The mm. love statue. Aroused. The agony of love. Um, and they always like have sort of these plots that kind of get right to it. They contrive a thing where it's like, oh, this woman's being victimized by a creep, which is like what <laughs> quite the subgenre. Like when movies like this happen now, like fuck, like there's like the one with like. Colin Hanks is like basically one of these and it's like completely different than anything like this was made because these movies are very direct they're shot in apartments living rooms and like the streets of New York City or like urban environments so go ahead Aaron I'd seen some of Doris Wishman's like nudist films and you know they're they're all right like nude on the moon and everything then about a year or two ago somebody put out a one-shot zine about Doris Wishman and uh, it looked pretty good. It was only 10 bucks. So I ordered it on a lark. And it was a really good zine. It was really smartly written and kind of academic. So they were talking about like these movies. And I was like, fuck, I've only seen the nudist ones. So I went to something weird video and uh, I, I ordered a bunch. And a lot of them are there two on each DVD, you know. And uh, so I saw a lot of the roughies and some other stuff. And you, you watch all these like back to back. And like what you were saying, you would you you'll recognize the apartment. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, oh, this these three movies were all shot in like the same room. Like, there's that lamp, and uh, it's just really, really cheap. Yeah, yeah. It's it's about it is about eliciting those thrills. I guess. Like, I there's don't know. This really good one. I can't remember the title. It's a roughie, but it's kind of like supernatural. Where like this guy, this fucking weirdo, finds this doll. And he just like takes it back to his apartment and he just like stares at it and he just gets like weird with the doll and he'll like hit it. So I mean, he'll hit the doll, but then like he'll cut to this real woman and then she's like, oh, then she's hit. So like this guy's (laughs) abusing this doll, but it's like a voodoo doll and like it it tortures this woman. And and, like, 
I can't remember the connection to this woman and the doll. There is one, but like he's like putting cigarettes out of the doll, and he's just like sweaty and staring at it. Yeah, it's a highly recommended. Mm Hmm. (laughs) Well, because like I think there's even like legit, like legitimate movies that I feel like really have the same kind of spirit of these. Like I think In Cold Blood has like the same kind of like weird desperate quality too. And that's like a big for like a you know, big picture version of this. Uh there's like the one movie it's called The Incident. Uh it's a Larry Pierce movie with Martin Sheen uh, and Bo Bridges. And like this is about a bunch of people being terrorized on a subway. But like it has it, to me like has that same like repressed kind of thing that's kind of coming out I think through the 60s. And it's, and it's like a very particular era too, right? Where yeah, I, I don't know exactly how to put it because Japan was putting stuff out like this too. Like they've got uh, this movie called Violated Angels, and uh, oh, it's got this bizarre title. I've got my I've got the list up here. I'm gonna skim it. Oh, bear with me. Oh, I'm not gonna it? bear with you. Oh, well, you the, it, sorry. Pockets. There it is. The Embryo Hunts in Secret mm. is uh, one of these, and just uh, one more. So. The, there's a repression, right? Like sexual well, repression, and, was, and, it's, and it's fomenting in this weird, violent way. You couldn't. Porn was still like, yeah, run by the mafia. It was just like stag loops. You couldn't just go rent a porno movie. So the, it absolutely stemmed for this repression. And they're like, well, this doesn't have sex; it just has violence. So the, the violence definitely has this kind of like sexual stand. And this is a good prime for Fat Girl, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a perfect perfect uh primer yeah but yeah like so yeah like michael findlay he's like i think there is a something off or a something weird compilation of his stuff and that's one of the weird I things the trilogy with... he did with this i think he did it with his wife yeah with uh roberta yeah those are uh that's about as cheap and shitty as you can get yet those movies have something about them or even like the yeah. like credits are like in camera effects like they like <laughs> wrote the names on something and like literally filmed it yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah that's cool i like that as much as you liked bad girls go to hell no i like I mean, credits that are wrote and then i like that <laughs> yeah. then did, uh, did finley die in a helicopter accident yes michael finley died i think it was like on the world trade center or the something Pan like that. building or yeah yeah i remember Ooh. i watched something that he was involved with a couple years ago for like a ghoul school or something like that and I was like huh I had not heard about his uh, grisly death I think Roberta's still around yeah I've watched some of her recent stuff oh fuck here it is uh, yeah there was a, a helicopter crash at the Pan Am building in New York City uh, something about literally cut to pieces transected yeah good good mm, interesting yeah, Interesting. He reminds me of that character actor Timothy Carey. Oh, sounds kind of familiar. He was in some Kubrick movies. Yeah, he's the guy we were. Uh, RJ thought was somebody else actually, because he the dude I thought was from Reanimator. That guy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the, the guy long, from the John Carey face. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The John Carey face dude from uh, Killing of a Chinese Bookie. I thought it was the dude from Reanimator, but it's not. That guy, that guy, yeah, kind of looks like him, I guess. Yeah, kind of, sure. Well, I mean, I'm, 
I'm glad you liked that movie, Jarrett. And I mean, I know you're in your group of bad dudes. That's right. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to try to bring you bad dudes. You've rude, crude dudes down. But uh, I'm just glad that uh, Slam uh, Love Machine is uh, in there with me because uh, I know I got a, I know I got someone on my side. That's all. Okay. I'm just happy for that. Well, I'm, I'm but, glad that uh, all this attention was brought to it so I could check it out for myself. Yeah, well, I mean, something happened out of this podcast that benefited you in a way, I guess, eh? Yeah. The, the Wishman films from Something Weird are worth checking out because you get two mm-hmm. on each DVD. I think some of them are the 10 or, the 10 or 15 bucks. Um, and, yeah, it's worth getting a handful of them. I think the yep. only the only other one I'd seen before was uh, A Night to Dismember, and I, like, that was a chore. Like I, I Let Me Die a Woman. Which is notorious. Mm. This has got the actual sex <laughs> oh, change operation. Yeah. Right. Yes. Born a man. Let me die a woman. <laughs> Yikes. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I used to show that one to people, and it, it. I mean, it's, it's literally a sex change operation, male to female, like full close up medical footage. Sounds like uh, that by brackage, which is just an autopsy. It's just a real autopsy, just, just and then you, you go. Wait, is this a real dead body? And I, I mean, like, in the sense, going here, it's like, is this a real surgery? Is this a real operation? Am I watching this? I just wanted to watch, like, you know, Hook, oh. or something. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm looking for. I don't want actual operation surgery. No. Yeah, nah. <laughs> so, RJ, I. Uh... I understand you have some Star Trek you'd like to discuss. And we actually have someone who enjoys Star Trek with us. Well, I don't know. Uh, Double A, do you uh, do you know Star Trek? Do you like Star Trek? I do, but I got to say Deep Space Nine is my uh, kind of blind spot. Okay. Really? Okay. Have you been following along with us or, uh, you know, a little bit? I have. Really? I have. Yeah. Uh, first thing I'll ask uh, before I get into some Star Trek, Double uh, A, do you have some movies that you would like to talk about too? Mm-hmm. Anything else you watched, or are you just here for Fat Girl? I'm here for Fat Girl, baby. Okay. Okay. And uh, J Dog, do you have any other movies you would like nope. to talk about? Or um, all right, let's get into some fucking Star Trek then. All yep. right, y'all bad boys. So. We cleaned up last week. I had a little bit of a uh, problem. Uh, I don't know if you saw, Aaron, but uh, I mixed up a couple episodes. We corrected it. We got back on track. So the last episode from last week, uh, Jarrett, was 316, which is uh, Nagus Orbs. And uh, I gave that one a two stars after I finished it. It's okay. Not much going on there. Uh, Three... Uh, I said 316, right? Yep. So uh, the next episode, 317, uh, O'Brien gets space cancer. I, <laughs> I'm i going to give this a two out of four, but I think I'm in the minority on this one. So I'm going to see what you said, Jerry. I th- I'm going to guess you said yes. Yeah, this is this episode's a yes. You should watch yep. it. It's called Visionary. Uh, my notes include darts are back. Like smoking? Oh no! It's uh, yeah. They play darts in this one, like actual darts. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, humorless Romulans and drunken Klingons, and uh-huh. then I wrote something about ghost O'Briens. Well, that's that's part of his space cancer. I can uh, fill you in on that if uh, your notes don't. Uh, okay. Don't fill uh, in. Yeah. Pretty good sense of humor in this. Mm-hmm. We all hate temporal mechanics. 
And mm-hmm. uh, huh, the O'Brien twist is off-putting. Uh, yeah, so there's... So here's the thing with this one. I actually, in TNG, I liked a lot of these episodes. So this one plays with, like, time a little bit. Uh, so O'Brien gets radiation poisoning. So he actually gets space cancer. And then what's happening is he's he'll be, like, talking to you guys like this. And he'll look. And there he will be right there, too. And he'll be like, Miles? And the other one will go, Miles? And they'll acknowledge each other. And then he'll be like, whoa. And he'll fall like back into time. Uh, so what's happening is we got some Romulan action. We got some Klingon action. They're playing with like, I don't know, science stuff. And uh, what it's doing is sending this like weird pulse through and it just hits O'Brien. So he gets sent. Uh, he sees like into the future like an hour and then he gets sent back and then future an hour and then sent back. And each time he's just like, oh, something bad's going to happen. I was there. And then uh, the one thing I'll give it credit to is uh, they acknowledge it like up front. They don't deny it. They're just like, oh, yeah, that sounds bad. Uh, Let's figure it out. And so he's kind of popping around. Usually I like these episodes, but this one I didn't really like because he like uh, he interacts with himself a lot where he's just like miles and he's like miles and they're like playing around. I'm, I think I've said before, I'm not a huge O'Brien guy. Like I find the way he's used sometimes, especially in DS nine. I like, I feel bad for hating O'Brien. Like, yeah. I feel, like a sense of guilt. And yeah. I'm like, I'll get these like arguments with myself. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like he's okay. Leave, like, leave him alone. Yeah. I, I couldn't have put it better myself where it's like, there's nothing like bad about him. He's not like Bashir, who I fucking hate. Fuck, he, fuck Bashir. Fuck Bashir. I hate him. He's not bad like that. So it's just like, I just don't find him super interesting. O'Brien, that is. Uh, so he's like flying around a lot. Uh, and what it ultimately comes down to, it's just Romulans, you know? They're just doing and their thing. O'Brien, it's like, it's like you're at a party. And there's like a guy there, you know, and you don't hate him. He just kind of gets on your nerves. And this part, yep. this party, by the way, is called the Next Generation. And you're like, mm. you know what? Let's let's go somewhere else. Let's go to another party. And you're like, mm. fuck, O'Brien's here. He like he left too. He's he's a deep deep space nine now. You like you can't get rid of. Him. You're like, it's like when is O'Brien gonna leave? I'm sure he's gonna pop up in Voyager. I just I don't know that, but I'm just I'm guessing he will just for fun. But I don't know. Cole Meany's always gunning for that uh, paycheck. He he needs money, man. He needs money. Uh, but yeah, it's it's an okay episode. It's just uh, I think the execution's not as good as like some of the TNG uh, time episodes. So I don't know if you have anything else to add to that, Jared. Um, well, with all this O'Brien talk, I can't remember if I've asked you, RJ. I don't know if uh, Aaron's re- read the uh, Chief O'Brien at Work comic strip by John Adams. I have not. It, it, I think it really uh, speaks to this, like, what, what's what's O'Brien's deal? Well, who is he? What does he do? And this is it's, it's, it's very yeah. TNG-based. Uh, uh, it seems like DS9 doesn't exist in the O'Brien at work era because he's always in the transporter room. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the comic where it's just, like, him waiting for people to, like, need yeah. to beam back? And he's just, like, just waiting because that's what you do. You would just wait, right? <laughs> but, well, every time they cut away, there he is just on standby to put the slide up. Just on his shift, doing a double. No. It's like Keiko's like, Miles, when are you coming home? He's like, I don't know, man. They beamed down like two hours ago. I'm just still fucking waiting. I can't leave. I got to be here. 
Well, I imagine that yeah. like the like the Federation must be like this like very like neoliberal kind of enterprise uh, where yeah. it's like there is no work there's no hours like we don't know what time yeah. is like you just always are at work and it's great we're all happy. You're, well. Ojo has an internal clock because every 16 hours he has to revert back to his liquid state. Right. So he's got a clock, but you know. That's where like, it's almost like kind of like having the, that's only the kind of like the same idea that's like, oh, our ship's crashed, but someone's a diabetic. It's just like, sometimes you might need a reason why Odo has to be removed. And it's like, we'll use that. He can't be a diabetic, but he'll be uh, a goo. We got some of that coming up after too, Jared. Uh, so, <laughs> so next up we have three eighteen. Disney presents Bashir Inside Out. One out of four stars, Jarrett. It's a Bashir heavy episode. I ain't about this life, man. No way. What about you? Uh, well, this is an episode entitled "Distant Voices." I gave this a no. Yes. This all reminds me of the first paintball episode of Community. Bash- uh, yeah. Uh, Bashir rocking the Reed Richards because uh, he's got the, the side temples there. Yeah. Uh, inconsequential. Next. And then uh, I think my I paraphrase OMG, Bashir purposefully got that question on his exam wrong. Allegedly. That's what he says. Allegedly. So this episode starts with this like very. Uh, this lady who is dressed erotically is how i would describe it and she's coming on to bashir and you immediately you're just like no nah, no one's coming on to bashir this guy sucks no one's like gonna try to pick him up uh, and then what you have is like bashir goes into like a coma and then he's like Ugh! and he's encountering everyone from the show but they all are manifestations of different parts of his personality like kind of like inside out it's like you represent this part of me and he's like oh, aging this like at the, the same worst time star trek episode ever it's not good man and then like this like this like ghoulie guy shows up and he's like bashir i got you you're going to die and so it's like, it's just his mind battling itself. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, no, go away. So yeah, the sheer episodes Jordan are like, Peterson. Oh, <laughs> it's a little bit like that. A like, little bit. Battling like segments of himself sounds like a Jordan Peterson, like thought experiment. Oh, he's like, fuck. he's like, you're a, uh, you're Odo. You represent this part of my personality. And you're like, oh, oh shut up. I just found the screenshots of it. Oh my god! It's what he ages. The, the old age makeup. Oh. The old age makeup, and then he's just like, he's like real old, and you're like, go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this episode sucks. Um, three nineteen. Ew. Three out of four stars. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, this episode's not bad. This is a mirror universe episode, so we've Ooh. already had one. And uh, we saw dark Kira, like bad Kira, where she's in charge. She's working with the uh, Bajoran or with the uh, Cardassians. This one, Cisco, goes into the Mirror Universe. And the reason I said you, Jarrett, is because Cisco beds uh, like three separate people in this. He sleeps with um, Kira. Yeah, beds. He sleeps with <laughs> Kira. He sleeps with Dax. And then I think it's implied that he sleeps with someone else too. And I was like, ugh. It's like, I don't want to see Cisco like doing it with all the other people. Land pipe. 
Yeah. So I, I thought this one was gross. This one also, though, the reason I gave it three is it gets into some like Friday the th- uh, 13th part four type stuff where Rom gets fucking crucified onto uh, <laughs> one of the doors. And I was like, oh, my God, he's like hammered up into it and he's dead. I was Aww. like, there's a crucifixion in Star Trek now. It's pretty crazy. What about you, Jer? Well, uh, this is an episode entitled Through the Gla- uh, Through the Looking Glass. And this is a it yes. Is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what this means. Huh. Vol fighting brought up again. That... There's like a five minute scene. So Vols have come up twice in this fucking show. Right. Cardassian Vols. And like, I know Vols, they're just kind of like groundhoggy things uh, like in, in our world. So it's like, I think they're trying to like ha- have fun with that. And the idea is that Vols are, they're like the rats on the ship and they're just all over the place. So, people, so, so are they like actually fighting amongst themselves or is there like gambling going on, like bets and stuff uh, like that? I think it's implied that uh, – I think it's that they're fighting amongst themselves, but also people are trying to trap them for, for like cockfights, like vol fights. <laughs> okay. So I think it's a bit of both. Um, yeah. I expressed some excitement that this was a Mirror Universe episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dirty Bashir, Super Hot Dax, Rebel Ooh. Rom, Fat Garrick. And then Jennifer Sisko alive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why did he laugh? I don't know. Uh, tra- Traitor Rom and Dead Rom and Minor Fodder. And, ah, Traitor Rom was part of the plan. Poor Rom. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a poem. Love this show's use of continuity. Yep. So uh, I actually do like this Mirror Universe one because. They they're all aware that like there's this the mirror universe the dark timeline they're aware that there's a good timeline because of like Kirk and Spock in original series Star Trek came into it which I think is pretty cool that they're like trying to connect this dot into the mirror universe uh, and then yeah Cisco goes over there's like all this espionage stuff he's trying to uh, recruit his wife the dead wife into the rebellion uh, but yeah it's got some good stuff. Um, Dax is in there. Uh, Kira's in there. They're both the ba- the bad versions of themselves. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, he has sex with a bunch of them, and it's pretty <laughs> gross. And then Rom gets crucified, and that's pretty gnarly. So not too bad, not too bad. That original, I love that original series episode. Yeah, oh. yeah. So this is like, it's, it's cool that DS9's picking it up a little bit. Like, I'm glad that TNG didn't do it too much. And it's like, it would have been cool if TNG kind of did something similar, but whatever. Cause then it would have been more of a trope, I guess. But, uh, they're not, they're not, there's only like, there's only been two. I'm on three in uh, season three. So there was one in season two, one in season three. I don't know how much more of it we'll get, but, uh, so far it's been pretty good. Pretty good, Jer. So what do you, what do you guys, uh, got a little pin of the, uh, mirror universe symbol where it's just like a red earth with a sword through it, you know? The oh evil. yeah. Well, it doesn't yeah. say Star Trek on it or anything. It's just that right. symbol. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I, that's I cool. A jacket or something. <laughs> and somebody said to me, "Like, what is that? Is that a military pin?" And I answered, "Kind of." <laughs> You're like, "Kind of, yes, yes, yeah." I kind. like that. Kind of. All right, so for you, y'all bad boys, I got two more, but it's a double header, so we'll do it all at once, I think. Okay. 320, uh, I have Odo Gehrig Super Friends, 
three out of four stars. And then 321, uh, we have the Stanley Milgram experiment in space. That's going to be a four out of four stars episode, my guys. Whoa. Are, do you disagree, Jarrett? No, no. I'm just like, wow, a four out of four. This one's pretty good. I liked it. So uh, I, do you have notes on 320 and 321? I do. Uh, so episode 20 is called Improbable Cause. It is a yes. Uh, I wrote, ah, Garrick is now trying human literature. Um, yes. Garrick, Garrick seems okay considering he was inside an exploding store. <laughs> yeah, he got exploded in yeah, he, uh, part one. Yeah, okay. Garrick's yeah. view on the boy who cried wolf is actually sound. So what it is is uh, Bashir tells Garrick the story. It's like, have you ever heard of the boy who cries wolf? He's like, no, I haven't. And he's like, well, here he tells it. And then uh, Bashir's like, the moral of the story is not to lie. And uh, Garrick's like, no. He's like, the moral of the story is never use the same lie twice. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. And so it's like Cardassian loss, uh, logic is really good because they're so like evil. They're not even <laughs> evil. It's just like schemey schemey yeah yeah it's it's awesome so he he's got a really good line in that he's like no you just he's like it's not that you shouldn't lie just you know you got to be creative with it i like it i, I think it's nice mm-hmm. yep what uh, else you got tal shiar obsidian order starfleet doesn't have an ss question mark uh so it's so there's um what's going on in this one is uh cardassian people are dying and they're like previous uh people like garrick that were involved in the military and somehow and then the tau shiar and then the dominion which is uh romulans and cardassians against uh the gamma quadrant and so th- this is deep star trek <laughs> shit the gamma quad- quadrant which is the founders of the other shapeshifters and the gem hadar the terrorists uh it's like it's them against them and they're taking a fleet through the wormhole uh they're overstepping the federation because they're like we're gonna go take care of this shit you can't stop us that's what's going on i i I just feel like uh it's it's strayed so far from gene roddenberry's original intent rj that's what people say say. (laughs) go back to optimism and hope right Jared? that's right uh then i the other thing i wrote here is is this the first appearance of odo's informant uh yes it is so odo has a cardassian informant and he's in the shadows for most of this uh i don't i can't remember who it was i don't know well, if i've seen I, I think it's it's the guy it's a guy from the wire i i guess is all i wrote here something like oh it's a cardassian from the wire lance reddick sure it probably could be. not I, I don't know yeah. uh oh, yeah. and then for episode 21 the dais cast a yes seeing a whole fleet of starships in star trek is always kind of cool Yes, will I will I be sick of it come season seven? Maybe. Uh, ah, a torture episode. Oh, RJ, that's that's why it's a four out of four. You sick fuck. Mm-hmm. Commander yep. Eddington is a real heel. Uh, at the twenty-six mm. minute mark of Odo trying to change would make a good gif. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's like, okay. So, do you want me? You finish out. Okay. I know okay. I know the scene you're talking about. Man, zombie Odo is disturbing. Hmm. Yes. Wouldn't the founders move once, you know, the Federation found out where they lived? And then, yep, pretty badass. 
here. Yeah, so this episode's really cool. So the Romulan and the Cardassian guys go through to try to take out the Founders. That's the other Odo guys, in case you don't know, Double A. So the other shapeshifters. We find out that they're like they're in charge of that whole quadrant. So they're going to try to take him out. And uh, Odo is on the ship uh, with Gehrig. And uh, the Cardassians are like, we got one of them. Let's torture that fucking guy. Let's see what happens. So they make this device where Odo can't shapeshift anymore. And uh, the gif you're talking about, they turn it on and uh, they're like, oh, Odo, don't you have to like revert back to your liquid state soon? And he's like, yeah, I do. I'm going to do it. And then they turn it on. They're like, try it out. And he's trying to and he's just stretching his arms. He's like, <laughs> he's like trying to stretch him and he can't. I think that's what you're talking about. Maybe. Uh, so then what happens is. Because they're like, have you ever not turned back in the liquid? And he's like, no, I don't. I've never done that. So there's been times where he hasn't, and he starts to melt. But this one, he can't change. So what happens is, instead of melting, it's like, have you ever got mud on you and it dries and it like flakes? Yeah. He turns like super dry, and all of his skin starts to like flake back. It's actually like a pretty good like uh, like practical makeup. I was like, I like this. It's good. It's spooky. Mm-hmm. Spooky, Jared. So they torture Odo for a bit. And then they're going to planet. And so, like you said, they're like, wouldn't they have moved? They did. And it's an elaborate trap. And they blow them all up. They all die, except for Odo and Garrick. They're the only ones who get out of there. For now. For now. Yeah. So that's uh, that's where I finished off. I, I hope you got some enjoyment out of that uh, double A, just because, you know, <laughs> this is part of the creeps experience now. I, I Someone was like, I heard you have a Star Trek podcast. And it's like, yeah. We talk about Star Trek and soup and chili and once in a while a Criterion film, but not often. I do want to watch Deep Space Nine straight through. Yeah. It's just I got to convince my wife. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, I'd say it's it's pretty good. It did take me um, the first season. I wasn't sold on it, uh, especially. See, yeah, Colin that's what I'm afraid. Yeah. It's going to take a while. Yes. And, yep. like, yeah. You know. I mean, it's I've a, seen the show. I know the characters are, and I know there's something called the Dominion Wars. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm willing to take the dive. I know some people say it's the best Star Trek. That's what they say. I haven't gotten there yet. So, like, definitely for me to come in right out of TNG, uh, the first season of DS9, I was like, hmm. I was like, TNG's better. Uh, but now getting into 2 and 3, like... Um, DS9 is growing on me. I, I can, like, I'm seeing, I'm starting to see why people like it as much as they do. So and it's, I'm a Voyager it's... apologist. Mm-hmm. Sorry? Yeah. Yeah, well. Fucking Tuvok. Yeah. <laughs> Voyager takes a little time to pick up, too, but what it does, it's got some pretty classic episodes. Well, I'm going to do it. And uh, I think because uh, Jarrett stopped, Jarrett never finished DS9. Yep. So I think when I get there, he might watch with me. Uh, uh, that's that's the plan because I'm that's like, plan. but halfway through season five, I stopped yeah. and then. So these uh, so these notes of yours. These, these notes, my old, notes are like eight, uh, eight, eight years old. I I I, I have them in a sketchbook. See, they and, came like, in use. They, that, I mean, I was because I was wondering, I'm like, you know, I should like write like an episode guide for like. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Like again, lists and the like, compulsions. I'm like, I'm just going to fucking do this. And uh, do you now... buy the same kind of notebook? Do, do they match? Are they on a shelf? Or is this uh, like? It's, it's actually all one book. It's just like oh, fuck. I don't even know what the format is. It's like it's like one of these types of like coils. And I don't know. Get That's for book? Deep Space Nine. 
That's the DS. Like, I had a, well, what I had about a your other lists and notes? Oh, uh, most of the, this is the first time I actually wrote one out by hand. I think for, like since I was like a kid with before a computer or whatever. But yeah, this is like this is a unique thing. I haven't done that before ever for like a show. It, I mean, now I have Letterbox where I just it keeps track of all my movies. Um, I had Word documents and stuff like that that I just typed into endlessly. My desktop is a nightmare. Um, people always say, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know. It's it's just how I keep track of images. Every once in a while, about every eight months, I do a clean and everything gets put into a one big dump folder and I find images. I'm like, I'm really glad I saved that because that made me laugh again. Or I'm like, I completely forgot about this or some weird news story that I just screen cap. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. a compulsion. <laughs> hey, well, you know, call me when you start printing. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> print that stuff up. But yeah, I, we'll get to Voyager, and then maybe you'll come back if you want to talk some Voyager stuff. We'll see. It might be like months from now, or it'll surely <laughs> be months I, from now. Surely. Hopefully, no less than a year from now. Because you're not even done season three yet. Um, I know. I slowed way down, right? One of well, our... how long TV shows used to be, uh-huh. like actual network yeah. TV shows. Yeah, like 45 minutes long. Minute uh, episodes. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. Some of these ones are 53 minutes, Jared. Some of them are 45. A couple of them were like 53 or something like that. They're big, and there's 26 of them. But I think there's a false sense of that because I watched TNG in two months, two or three months, and so. Damn. But I had nothing to do. I was <laughs> sitting at home. Fantastic. Coronavirus. Well, that's that's it for the DS9. Uh, we got any news we want to talk about in the world? I don't know. You got any chili recipes over there, Aaron, or anything that interests you that you want to bring up on the for the news segment? The news news (laughs) segment. (laughs) That's right. Hey, we're professional over here. We like to keep it topical. Did you guys do college radio? Do you have like a minimal broadcasting background? No. That's why I like you guys. You guys aren't like media people. Like you're not like every podcast is some like shithead comedian in L.A. that like mm-hmm. thinks they're real fucking interesting, and uh, you guys are just nobody. The guests you have <laughs> on are these guys you know. Exactly. It's incredible. It's yeah. very, I, very honest. I wish we had like a physical copy of our podcast or something, and we could just quote quote guest host Aaron Lang. You guys are nobody, and it, it's just perfect. It's like who are these guys? Just two fucking well, guys. Here's the thing, though. These assholes yeah. in L.A., these comedians with podcasts, they're nobody's, too. It's right. just they happen to think they're somebody, and they're surrounded by other enabling wannabe nobodies. And there's just this, you know, culture where they're like, oh, well, you know, I go to the comedy cellar, so, you know, I'm, I'm important. And it's like, but, you know, there's people just as smart or interesting, if not more so, everywhere fucking else. And, you know. I go to Burger King. That's also important. <laughs> I don't know. That's right. It's, it's important to me. So man's got to eat. But I, I would eat. like it if you guys had a guest, like if you could kind of like bamboozle, like an actual like film academic to come on, and, they, and maybe like they they haven't actually heard the show. Oh, and buddy. We've had one. It happened in our in our first what twenty episodes or something. <laughs> well, okay, so yeah, we way back when I actually found out that a guy who did the commentary tracks for the uh, Paul Morrissey, like Flesh for Frankenstein, Blood for Dracula movies, he Mm -hmm. actually was a college professor here in Creepsville, like back in Mm -hmm. the 60s, 70s. 
and I tracked him down and he was like more than happy to like do a quick little interview. So he didn't mm-hmm. do a, he didn't do an episode with us. He never met or experienced uh, R.J. Baylog, but unfortunately, unfortunately, but he was a really nice guy, very sweet. And on Facebook, he just posts a lot about Israel. My goodness, <laughs> that's problematic. <laughs> He's very for uh, Israel, and Israel that, that's one of his great one of his great concerns. He's a Zionist. Uh, well, he, yeah, I mean, I, I do believe he is Jewish. Um, but like, yeah, he, he's interesting, boy. He and boy, Donald Trump. He was not a fan of Donald Trump, and the last four, four years, the, la- the last well, the last four years have been uh, been nothing but endless streams of that. So I had to put him on mute. But I'm still friends right. with with good old Maurice. Yeah. But anyway, uh, but yeah. yeah. I don't know. We we would like to try. Maybe uh, some of our creeps uh, creeps listeners out there can. Uh, I mean, it's one thing for me to cold call Criterion. I say, hey, Criterion. Can you get us? Uh, Have they ever reached out to you? Never. No. No. <laughs> and I and I prefer it that way. I think yeah. because otherwise, I don't know. I could be like, hey, hey, guys, send us movies. And it's like, ugh, I don't want. I don't want to do that. What I think happened was I think one time in the last four years we must have popped up on some intern at Criterion Collection. It popped up on his radar. I think he probably listened to five minutes of this and was like, these guys are just talking about soup. <laughs> they're not even talking about the movies or or it'd just be like these guys don't even like the movies that we have in here and it's like yeah that's true too but uh that's not our fault that's yours <laughs> that's right it's not our it's fault. your fault for making bad mo- or putting bad movies out but you know one day one day there was a uh a reddit post from like a couple years ago where someone had posted about the podcast randomly and i was reading through that again like a couple months ago i think and someone was like and this was back when our episodes were like an hour and a half and they're like how can these guys talk for 40 minutes about uh stuff that's not related to the movie and i just want to point out we're at the two hour mark so we haven't talked about movies once (laughs) not once almost well i mean i guess we have to now talk about a movie so after the break we're going on a summer vacation. We're going to dip in, go up for a dip in the pool. Maybe meet a nice Italian boy. Is this a Call Me by Your Name? That's the exact plot of that movie. Interesting. It is actually. I just pieced that together. You just, very good. Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Fat Girl from 2001, directed by Catherine Brelot, and we're uh, joined by 
sometime longtime listener, Aaron Lang, mm-hmm. cartoonist and movie watcher and fat girl fan question mark. <laughs> and food denier food question den- mark. Food denier. Well, if if you if you uh will permit, I'd like to read an excerpt from the introduction to Brolet's novel Pornocracy. Of course. A- absolutely. We are all about reading things from mm-hmm. sources. So this is uh, for the introduction to Pornocracy by uh, Chris Krause. Is the, wrote the introduction. <clears throat> During the ensuing four nights, she will expose him to her horror of being a woman. He'll sample her He'll sample her unctuous, odiferous cunt juice. He'll note the unshaved <laughs> RJ. Can we keep the giggles to a minimum? I'm giggling too. I'm sorry. <laughs> He'll note the unshaved frizzy flag of her sex, servile like the bowed neck of a slave. And of course, she'll be menstruating. He'll arrange her supine body in lewd poses. He'll mark her vagina with lipstick. Eventually, he'll rape her with an axe handle, and through these activities, he'll discover the power of feminine weakness, the terror her weakness extracts from him. And I think quote, that sets the tone for what's I, to come here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's like a what is that Stephen King? <laughs> uh, that's that reads a little bit more like Dean Koontz if uh, if I ever saw one, but uh, <laughs> don't hold don't hold me to that, okay? Um, that's a uh, prophetic. Well, a synopsis for Fat Girl from Letterboxd. Uh, Anais is 12 and bears the weight of the world on her shoulders. She watches her older sister, Elena, whom she both loves and hates. Elena is 15 and devilishly beautiful. Neither more futile, no more stupid than her younger sister. She cannot understand that she is merely an object of desire. And as such, she can only be taken or had. Indeed, this is the subject, a girl's loss of virginity. And that summer, it opens a door to tragedy. I So I said it before we cut to this, but I'm pretty sure this is the same plot as Call Me By Your Name. Now, I know Jarrett's never seen it, but uh, I don't know about Double A. Have you ever seen that uh, that coming-of-age romance no, movie? My wife saw it. She said it was good. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan, but uh, that's a tale for a different day but it's uh my point is just there's a few overlapping themes here a few overlapping themes so this synopsis that's not bad not bad we've had we've had way worse Mm -hmm. and uh i mean that opening that's a lot more than we've ever done for any of these movies so uh, that's also good i'm sure some of the criterion uh simps out there are gonna love that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for sure for sure so um rj are you you, uh, have you ever watched a uh, catherine uh, brele film i don't i don't believe so i believe this is my first one it's a it's my first time in america in north america sorry Mm -hmm. yeah that's an important distinction i think like the one that i had heard about before was romance i've seen that i've seen fat girl and i've seen anatomy of hell okay yeah those i think Mm -hmm. those would be the three that i think most if if someone's going to those are the three that you've watched because i don't know how many of these others have uh really shown up in any of the conversations well, the, the older films she made i don't know if you can even find those yeah her career goes way back yeah it looks mm-hmm. like she was writing films in the 70s 
she was an actress in Last Tango in Paris. I mean, she's been around. Yep. That's cool. Yeah, she's been around. And yeah, I mean, she's, I mean, she's the real deal, whether you like you like her or not. Like she is. Well, you she, know. yeah, there's like the the book she wrote when she was 17 years old was banned by the French government for readers under the age of 18. Which is fascinating that a writer sure. would write something that they would not be able to read in their own, their own country. But you call that irony, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. That's a book called uh, I guess the English translation is Easy Man. So uh, yeah, um, Catherine uh, Brille, uh she deals with subject matter that some might find difficult. Uh, and uh, some, some, I don't know. I don't, I don't know any of those people personally. Um, mm-hmm. But so Fackerel opens up as, well, this character, Anais, who I guess is the titular fat girl. The movie opens up with a, like a still shot of her as the credits kind of play over this. And you're kind of like, huh, that's a odd opening image to start on. But and it pays off at the end as you get to see as it all plays toward that. Mm-hmm. That's film craft right there. Um, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> so the whole story is it's this girl hanging out with her sister, uh, Elena, and uh, you don't really see the parents very much. I, I kind of think, imagine RJ. This is like a lot like the movies that I don't watch, but that you and Andrea do watch of like coming of age tales. Does that sound accurate? Is this like? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. Like setup, I'm, yeah, I'm assuming like movie like Book Smart is very similar to Fat Girl, mm. right? Very, like identical. Uh, no, well, <laughs> I mean, there's not, there's no rape or murder in uh, Book oh, Smart. Spoilers. Not quite, uh, but uh, the, I mean, there's similar themes, but not quite, not quite. I think you'll have to watch Book Smart to uh, to nail that. But uh, or, what or, you're or saying, eighth, or perhaps films eighth, I watch with my wife, eighth, that is accurate. Eighth grade. It's just like Fat Girl. Oh yeah, yeah, eighth uh, eighth grade. Uh, you know that's uh, that indie darling uh, from Bo Burnham. So yeah, it's it the setup fits into the realm of the movies I watch with Andrea. I did not watch this one with her. However, I told her about it afterwards, and I found some uh, enlightening details come from the female brain. But I'll, I'll I don't want to I don't want to play my hand too soon. I'll 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 get that one. It's my turn. Okay. We at the end. I also also mentioned that some alternative titles uh, in English-speaking countries for Fat Girl uh, are For My Sister, Fat Girl, Mm -hmm. and Story of a Whale. Aww. Aww. That one's way sadder than Fat Girl. Fat Girl's like a pretty sad title, Mm -hmm. but Story of a Whale, it's like, that almost feels like a personal slate. I don't know. Um. So the uh, I just want to throw up now the so the mother is played by uh, Arsini uh, Kajan, who is the wife of Canadian filmmaker uh, Adam Agoyan, and she's in a whole bunch of his oh. movies, which I, I, I had no idea because I was like kind of like I'm like who is she like she's got to be in other things and I was like oh yeah like she's been around for a while she was in the, like all of his all this stuff like Adjuster Calendar Exotica. Uh, even like uh, that Irma Vep movie I've never actually seen, which is uh, Olivier Assayas, that, which is mm. like the, that movie. It's like a weird attempted. It's about a remake of uh, that Les Vampires movie from like 1915. You know that one, RJ? I've heard of it. I didn't realize there was a remake of that thing. Well, I've it's, heard of, well, it's a movie. It's a movie. It. It's a movie about making a remake. 
Oh, like Nosferatu style? Like Shadow of the Vampire, yeah. That, yeah, that's what that's. Yeah, got it. <laughs> we're we're we, we're figuring this out. We're piecing it together. Well, so okay, so Fat Girl, it's uh, what about seven, eight scenes? Sometimes these ninety-minute movies um, where there's. Well, a lot I can of... tell you the first sex scene is twenty-five minutes. Yes, it is. That's yep, because yep, you kind of get the setup of these two sisters kind of walking along, and they're, they're you get introduced to their dynamic um, where one is mean to the other, says horrible things, and then the other one also undercuts the other one. Sisterly mm-hmm. love, um, and, then, and there's kind of talk of, like there's a lot of emphasis about them about her not being easy. I can't remember the exact turn of phrase that she uses, but like she has, she doesn't want to just sleep around. It's like, well, you have a very loose interpretation of that. Um, and they go to a cafe, a young man, a man, uh, says, Hey, 15 year old and 12 year old, you should sit down at this table with me. And Did you, uh, you know that RJ wrote the dialogue for the Italian character. Oh, uh, oh, meatballs! Hey, <laughs> that's what he says in this movie. The, 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 right? the, the, he just—he is. I'm watching this movie, and I'm thinking this is like every like RJ stereotype of like an oversexed, like arrogant Italian man who's able to like come across as smooth when if he was American, he'd just be like this rapey lout. So I mean, I feel like it's. I, I really like that you brought this up. Is that an RJism or is that just is that just a harsh reality? Because I mean, if we think about it, if you made that connection on your own, maybe it's not just me. Maybe it's the way it is. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. We'll see. We'll so, see. But yeah, meatballs. Meatballs. So there's talks there's talks of meatballs. It's almost like uh-huh. this, ah, one speaks French, the other one speaks Italian and the uh, Young, uh, our fat girl, Aeneas, she just has to sit there and eat her Sunday, kind of just watch this kind of transpire. Banana split, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they start making out. Pretty sure. pretty smooth operator right there. That's how it always um, goes. They return back to the home. There are plans. And soon enough, uh, Buddy is coming over to meet the, the parents. They move fast in uh, France, Italy. Everyone's very okay with this guy who's... I don't know, 2022. Uh, I I thought this dude is like at least 31, but maybe that's just me. Maybe I have a weird sense of time. I I think you you may, you may. How old is she? She's supposed to be 15. So 22 and 15. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yep. She was born in 1981. Uh, Roxanne Mesquita, so she would have been like she, she would have been 20. At least she was over 18. Yeah, like that movie Kids. <laughs> yeah, how old was the girl that played uh, an ace? I think she was 13. From like, there's like a on the DVD, or a, uh, there's like a five minute long, like little thing, and that Davis mentioned she's 13 in there. Fuck. <laughs> Problematic, man. Like, it. Let's just say this movie is just so fucking French. They're like this movie oh, totally <laughs> ever be made in North America. Like, do you guys think this would qualify as French extremism? <laughs> I think, I, um, I think it, they're kissing cousins. I mean that the, yeah. the 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 ending's something right out of High Tension, right? 
Uh, I mean, almost. It actually is. It's almost a little high tension. Well, like, just like in its shockiness, I guess, where it's like, like the uh, how like oh violence it just is so abrupt and it just comes yeah out of nowhere. so I mean, this is like a yeah. real spoiler alert kind of movie oh, I don't, yeah I, I, like, I don't think it's possible to talk about this movie without yeah. just like mm-hmm. I, just I hate it yeah I feel like anyone who's like either they're not going to watch this movie uh, or they're going to listen to it after they've watched the movie and maybe they're like sussing out how they feel about their experience because like so the movie is like very minimal um, like I said, there's yeah. all these, these low key frames and then like their scenes are just these long takes of like, I'm watching like a 22 year old man, you know, wear down a 15 year old and, <laughs> and, and like, it's like, and he's like, he's, he's just every trick in the book, every little, uh, like lie fib, like working every angle, making her feel bad about rejecting him. And like, just, oh every little thing and like that's that's the whole process of it and you're like you don't really, like i don't know i didn't feel like it was like dragging on myself but you definitely become really aware it's like this has been going on for a long time like you're watching the entire process of it and it's not until it's like, like third, it's like a third of the movie yeah yeah it, there's just comes a point where like oh he sneaks in like a you know the italian lover who like comes into his see uh his, the, the girl's bedroom and he's just like and then you just start watching it play out and it's oh and then like the sister's there and like that's like sort of like i think maybe once you get a cut to her just to remind you oh she's awake and she's watching this entire thing and then that plays out and plays out and then soon enough he's uh licking his fingers and And, like in any other movie like mm, fucking a girl up the ass to not take her virginity (laughs) would be like played for like laughs like isn't this outrageous not not in the Catherine belay movie oh no (laughs) Well, I mean, I I have heard these things about uh, Catholic boys and their uh, their, uh, excuse their, their, me? their them selling uh, girls on this idea that well, you know, you don't lose your virginity if it's up the butt. And uh, oh, well, I, I, I have to feel if that's true or not. I don't know, I R- to... RJ, as as a as a as a Catholic boy. Yes, uh, as a Catholic boy, I have to just kind of jump in there and I say. Don't be so quick to assume the stereotypes, Jared. Like, like, uh, of, like of Italians? Uh, that's not an assumption. That is a given fact. Uh, We've uh, proven it evidence. in the Criterion Collection. So far, we have had nothing but positive Catholic representations in the Criterion. So <laughs> I feel like I'm on the right side of history. Uh, no, I'll just say don't be so quick to assume because uh, I think then you get into a tricky area because when you start to, you know, pin things on certain religions or peoples of those religions as a whole then you get into difficult areas because that's like almost like saying that a certain group only does this one certain thing and i'm not going to mention that but i'm saying that's something that happens okay so be careful fair fair. uh i've never tried that move if you're curious okay that's a deep look into my life but uh, i am a nice uh, I'm a nice, clean Catholic boy. I got married before I uh, I even took my underwear off. I've been wearing the same ones for 30 years until I got married. So, mm-hmm. Well, yeah. do we want to know what Catherine Berlay, uh said about Harvey Weinstein? No. <laughs> we, did, we don't want to know. Oh, I do. Uh, I, I would love to know. Yeah, no, I think Jared that... said he meant he doesn't know what she said. What, is, uh, what was it? She said of Weinstein's uh, persecution and downfall that it was a tremendous loss. For European cinema. Hmm. 
interesting. Uh, uh, do you want Do you want to know what she had to say about the Me Too movement? I would. Yeah. Yes, yes, I would. Now I do. For me, she said. Well, I did see that. Oh man, yeah, I uh, I see something about her. She made controversial remarks on Asia Argento, uh, who she called a yeah, a, 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 a traitor, a mercenary, and yes. accused her of semi prostitution. And Argento responded, uh, "Berlay is the most sadistic and downright evil director I've ever worked with." Hey, that says a lot because she worked with Dario Argento, <laughs> which is like. It does I say mean, that dude's Italian. We know what that's we know what that's about, right? Oh boy! Right, Italy? I would like to say I did look into that this today. Uh, Berlay is a complicated and intelligent woman, and so when she says she's like against Me Too, it's not like the typical need. She 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 explains herself. She has her reasons. They're yeah. exceedingly French. Hmm. Which I think will make a lot more sense when we get to the the who hates fat girl mm-hmm. because the this movie would like you said like this movie wouldn't be allowed to exist now I don't even like I don't know there would be so much it would become the it would just be about controversy and it was controversial when it came out but now boy oh boy like you it's at this point it's, well because Berlay lives and breathes in gray areas and we're living yeah. at a time where people are just terrified of gray areas and everything's a very moral absolute absolutist kind of extremism and Berlay has always negated that and right. looked for you know the fuzzy in between places yeah I mean when you think about I guess uh because what this film depicts uh, for a huge chunk of it is that relationships are not these, again, clean negotiations necessarily. Sometimes there is like relationships can be bad or complicated and what people necessarily want or what they don't want can be difficult to discern, even to the person themselves. And I mean, fat girl, like is the movie just, goes right into those things and like uh, Catherine Berlay it just has no problem uh, depicting those things and that's like kind of her calling card I guess is like she's going to those um, interactions and depicting them I guess as she sees them um, well I think I think her work it's like in a lot of ways they're like they're fairy tales or fables mm. and these like aspects like she's not saying that this is what men are like or this is what women are right. like so the aspects of men and women that she's interested in talking about and she exaggerates and plays up these things. She's right. not making like she's not making broad declarative statements. She's right. exploring particular facets somewhat obsessively. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think that would start like, I mean, when she's when you're writing a book that gets banned <laughs> in your own country and like when you're told what you can't do, I think that's only going to push a person toward that inclination if it if like if there was an inkling of that there and she obviously wrote an entire book which is more than an inkling it's like an it's an impulse um when you're told you can't do it she's just going to like okay well i'm just going to keep going in this and like make an entire body of work that is about you know the about bodies and about uh you know sexuality explicitly and then you're going to wind up with a movie like fat girl which i mean is going to challenge (laughs) But people want to see in movies potentially. Um, so what, like what Berlay said about um, uh, the rapist character, if he's mm-hmm. even a character, she said, um, 
One could argue that the rapist, you're, you're going to love this. One could argue that the rapist is the most sympathetic male character in the film. He's the only one who presents himself as he really is. <laughs> which which I, really I mean, is a window into the, the rhetorical style of what she's doing, where, you know, nothing is like a, very literal, but she's like creating a kind of argument. It's, yeah. it's very rhetorical. I kind of understand what she's saying. I don't know if that makes me bad, a bad dude, or I don't know. I think I, I think I understand what she means by that. Right. I mean, that's the thing though. Is like she's like kind of operating this like on an intellectual level. You can relate to this. I mean, it's, it's not being like yeah. Is 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 this character sympathetic as we talk when we talk about sympathy? I guess too, because some people have oh, then, under, then, or, you know, or, so or, yeah. The titular fat girl. She's kind of arguably the reading is that she's she's liberated through this. She goes through this act of violence, and it's she's freed and empowered, and you know. Berlay is not trying to say that this is what reality is like. She's mm. she's working from like folklore and myth, but you know, in a way that we don't necessarily recognize because she doesn't have fucking dragons and. Well, it's depicted completely mm. like in a in literal, real time and space, like in, in movie space. Like this is how people like it looks like real. Um, everything. I mean, even though there's like these stylizations, like I think about their clothing that the sisters wear, like those bright mm. yellow sweaters and shirts. Ketchup with mustard. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like, it's so, I found that so interesting because I mean, for this movie that like has this uh, naturalism uh, in its style and depiction of reality, like there's still this like kind of like, it's like Wes Anderson-ish, like these colors they are so bright and poppy. In this movie, obviously like, doesn't have anything to do with Wes Anderson, but it's like movie making. It's like Godard uh, would use I those love types that of colors. Near the end, where like they're at like a truck stop, and like there's this like garish like American pop song playing, and they're just like <laughs> vacantly staring into space, eating sandwiches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a really, really great uh, scene. I was, yeah, I think super relatable. When the uh, mom uh, finally decides to get when they get back into the car, they turn on the radio and like uh, and Ace is like, "This is horrible, mom." <laughs> Like, it's like, it's like, yes. <laughs> uh, so, RJ, I would you say the most disturbing scene in the film is when Fat Girl is eating that like very large piece of dry bread? I um, what's I, going on there? Would you do we have any guesses on what kind of bread that might have been? I mean, it looks almost like you know that really like that really thick bread, almost like a Scotch bread, or what is that called? Like um. Man, I was slapping my knee there. I'm trying to think about myself. Like soda bread? You know that like really super dense bread that's just like almost like a cracker, but it still has a little give? Maybe soda bread? I don't know. Uh, that's a pretty disturbing scene. Another scene is... Uh, it's like an unpleasant piece of bread to eat. It does. I'm talking about food, but it, you yeah. know, there's a lot of eating in Fat Girl. There's a lot of eating, eating in Fat Girl. Uh, I was also a little bit put off by the... Um, the application of sunscreen in this movie and it's uh, a whole leg and then a whole leg and then slathered so me, on. It just seemed like too much is, sunscreen. Everyone's behaving like it's summertime, but like yes. it looks like it's fucking cold out. Yeah. Like where are they? What time of year is it? Like, is it like Labor Day? Like, is it like the end of summer and like, like, Oh, it's jacket weather, but we're going to go swimming anyhow. These French chateaus, anything goes, right, Jarrett? 
Well, it's a, they're a long ways away from home because, like, she drives, like, from morning to through night and has to pull over. Like, that's, a, that's quite the trip in Europe. And, and like, what kind of vacation spot is this? Because it doesn't seem – we're not – it's not shown in the typical cinematic way of, no. like mm-hmm. – it, it's like they're at a strip mall. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think it's I like – Driving through these, like, paths covered with, like, on the sides there's, like, stacks of, like, lumber – <laughs> I, just, to, I just assume that's what Europe looks again. like, though. Yeah. <laughs> There's lumber that's everywhere. All, our poor Canadian minds, that's all we have for Europe. It actually reminded me a lot of, like, um, like uh, for where we live, a lot of people like to vacation in, like, Arizona. It's, like, snowbird mentality. Like, when it gets cold up here, they go down there. And I've seen, uh, like, I've never done it myself, but a lot of dudes I know, they go down and they live in these, like, um, they rent these places and it's like a whole kind of like condo, but then they're connected to other condos. And then like, there's these big pools. Sometimes they're private for the condo themselves. Sometimes they're shared. And when I was watching this, I was like, it feels like it's kind of that mentality where you rent out like a condo, you got like your own little pool. There's like people maybe around you a little bit, but then there's also like some space between it. That's what I kind of thought. I don't know. That's a weird example. but once, and it was like, like French Canadian Jersey Shore. <laughs> like this is for like French Canadian trash, like went to party. Yeah. There were like French Canadian bikers and like you could get like there's like you know, there's like a kind of like carnival thing set up. You could get poutine mm-hmm. and like the signs were like bilingual. I was like, what's going on here? And just, oh, ee, oh, ee, boy. <laughs> Exactly. Right, Jared? Yeah. Uh, so I was just That's looking up. Sure. I was just looking up the uh, filming location, uh, Saint Juan Charente, which is on the west coast uh, of France, somewhere's about. Okay. I'm looking at a map. You know, it's not as easy to point to on a map as easy as Cleveland. You know, but mm. it's by the ocean. Like the there's like it's a massive swath of like land. So I mean. There's some. It's got to be somewhere, right near the beach. Near the beach, but like, it's not the best. It's not the nicest beach I've ever seen. In the movie, or are you talking about the whole coastline of uh, this part of France? <laughs> in in movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some better beaches. You ever seen yeah. Jaws three? Pretty good beach. It looks Sorry. like a like a beach town, like one of those like British New Wave like. <laughs> kitchen sink dramas where like they're at the mm-hmm. beach but it's like fucking cold and like dreary that's what it's like right of a ken loach movie it's kind of like our creep from two weeks ago uh a woman under the influence when peter Falk takes his uh yeah peter Falk he uh, takes his kids to the beach and it's like real cold and they're really none of them want to be there and they're just like we're having a good time at the beach but it's really unpleasant for everyone there's just something like that in um, what's the Jim Jarmusch movie? They um, they come to Cleveland and they go to Lake Erie and it's like the winter. Oh, my own private idol? No, no, that that's Gus Van Sant. My uh, bad. Strange of the Paradise. Oh fuck. Okay. Uh, yeah. They come to Cleveland and like they go to the lake and it's but it's frozen and it's winter. Right. Hmm. River's Edge. <laughs> yeah. So. Fat girl. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. So she um, sodomy happens in the, the bedroom. Oof. And uh, then, yeah, buddy wants to, uh, on top of all this, he's like, in the morning, he's like, hey, 
I'd like to. I'd like a blowjob as well. That would be really nice with my poo dick. And oh my god! Yeah, see, you didn't think about that. Um, the podcast commission is coming oh. after us for sure. I can't believe this. Yeah, and then so she's like, "No, I'm not with my sister here." And so they leave. But then again, uh, he starts like talking, like, "I don't know if you're gonna see me again anytime soon." And then she's like, "Oh, I really want to do this now for you here by the stable." And he's like, "Hey, I I, I could go to jail for this." <laughs> it's like, in, "Indeed, buddy." And so uh, she, they, they kind of like. I the French, I thought, I, see, I was like, "Oh, the French care," you know. I don't know. It's two thousand one. That's, that's what we call suspension of disbelief, right? I don't know. Laws are weird. Some some places. I went to China when I was like fifteen, and I ordered a beer, and they didn't care. Actually, I think he says you're not sixteen. <laughs> oh, so that's a age of consent there, or why? Yeah. I oh. think yeah. Oh, interesting. Not not a problem the night before, but well, after the fact. After you know. the fact. Now he's like, oh, geez, I got to get out of this situation. But you know, they kind of mm. they still kind of carry on. Um, he gives uh, her a ring from his mother's collection, um, mm-hmm. which of course elicits mom to come and collect the ring that mm-hmm. has been given to her by all the men that she herself has met over the years. Um, you get some nasty exchanges again, more and more between the sister. That like it plays like back and forth. <sighs> again, it, what can you really say about it? I don't know, Aaron. Do you have any thoughts about the the dialogue exchanges? Did you feel like they're just kind of there, or between like between the sisters, the, the, the sister, the sister chat, like the pillow chat, like where it's like there's, there's... I then res- so I saw this movie first maybe ten plus years ago, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, it resonated with me this time watching it last night. Okay, quite a bit. So you remember just you, you read descriptions of the movie, and it's like oh, there's these sisters are antagonistic and they hate each other but it's actually way more complex than that mm-hmm. so my memory of this movie before re-watching it uh this week was like i th- for some reason i kept thinking this was like very todd solens ish and that this was more like a welcome to the dollhouse mm-hmm. thing where like you, the family like almost they're horrible and like the you you want bad things like you're like oh the mom's terrible to her like one daughter and the sister's like constantly horrible to her and that's not this movie at all <laughs> like but in my head it was like oh that's what it is because then it's somehow like a mm. justification for what happens later but in like a brutal brutal fashion uh because you get like oh all her dreams come true and that's because like there's a thing where she's like when i lose my virginity I, I don't want that person to be important and i don't want it to mean anything um and that happens <laughs> um and yeah, but so like in my mind, I was like, oh, there's these other things that I filled the gaps in with. Cause like you have like these parents that like they aren't even like particularly like they're people. Like they're not like, I don't know, the dad's like a workaholic and the mom. Well, they're, almost, they're like the parents from like Peanuts cartoons. They're like right. barely. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they're there, but they're like on a different kind of plane. Right. Speaking of uh, food, RJ, I know you often observe like the type of food that the French eat. Uh, on the table. Mm-hmm. So did you make any notes about what they were eating for uh, <laughs> breakfast? It was a little atypical from uh, what I, I usually see in these French films, which is usually just like eight bowls of fruit, a bowl of cheese, a baguette, and then like something else. And they always, all they have at French dinner tables, I assume, is a plate and a knife. 
So you grab like the cheese and you just kind of cut off a piece. You grab the bread and cut off a piece. Fruit you just cut in half. Wasn't quite like that. Uh, I was actually I was kind of confused by the food they were eating in this because I was like, what is that? Is it like he's eating in the car? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like an Abba Zaba. It's like this huge stri- uh, strip of taffy. Uh, that's the only thing that I kind of recognized. The other stuff, I was like, I don't know what this is. It looks like mush. <laughs> so I don't know if that was just me. I was like, these just looks like parfaits of things it's that per- are just like it's thrown the together. Perfect thing to sh- like sh- just stuff in your face because it just keeps coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it just keeps coming like the Abba Zabba. You pull on it, and it just keeps going, man. Nope. Keeps going. So yeah, Dad takes off. Uh, the family that remains, Mom and the daughters, they go clothing shopping. Mm-hmm. Pick, pick, pick up some outfits. Uh, they go to the beach. One more, another scene at the beach before uh, the boyfriend's uh, mom shows up, and of course, this sets off the return and kind of impromptu. Uh, ending a vacation to go get uh, Alina checked out by a doctor. Um, mm. and, and then this is like an extended scene of like exactly what it's like to be driving. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like driving is like not exciting. And it, but it's like, but it is like everyone has to like eventually go from one place to another. And mm-hmm. it's like a universal well, experience. Kind of boxed in by these trucks. Oh yeah. And it's been like the mom, it's been established. Like she doesn't like to drive. Right. I've, and like they've been abandoned by like the father and the husband, so like there's this kind of anxiety building, mm-hmm. and you don't know why. And she's just like, because it seems like she's not doing anything wrong, but then she kind of shifts over, and there's these car horns that like go off every once in a while, and like they're just like, yeah, you're sandwiched in, and like you're kind of losing track of even what vehicle they're driving, and it's just like kind of this like <laughs> maraise of vehicles, and then like she's getting more and more stressed out, just like a chimney just smoking and smoking. Mm. And like her, like kind of like the way she was presenting earlier in the film where she was like very like, I'm on vacation, but like doing my hair all light up. And then like once husband's gone and like, she's with the fucking kids and she's like, we have to get back and I'm driving. It's like, she looks like, you know, like her is like frizzled and her face is just straight dead. And she's just like, Oh God, you can see the regrets of her entire life coming (laughs) to the forefront. Um, And then, they, they, they stop, they have a bite at a, a standing table. I started thinking about the movie The Vanishing in Europe and like their versions of truck stops and people just vanishing completely off the face of the planet. And then um, they continue on and eventually night comes. She can't drive anymore. They pull over at a truck stop. And uh, there's like this one shot that like jumped out at me immediately where uh, Aeneas is like kind of just standing outside of the vehicle and this truck drives by. And there's this like really weird menacing shot of the truck driver. And that's mm-hmm. and that and you're just like, huh. And I was like, my mind, I'm like, I started thinking about it reminded me of palindromes. Again, Todd Solins like pops up into my mind with this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's like, is that like am I misremembering something entirely different? Like, I don't remember this truck driver guy at all. And then, you know, they go to sleep. <laughs> and then the windshield mm-hmm. gets smashed and sister gets her head caved in by like out of nowhere out yeah. of nowhere like with a was it a hammer or is it a hatchet it's, it's like a hatchet yeah, a, yeah, okay literal axe murder yep. he just yeah. ha- hits her she's out and then we have this like kind of just like not extended but just kind of like little prolonged thing where you're like oh he's just like pawing at mom's like blouse Peels, pulls it apart a little bit, but then proceeds to just strangle her in like the movie kind of way where it takes 
like eight seconds to strangle that a person to death. Me. Right, that right. annoyed me. It was way too like Quick. Vulcan damage. Yeah, and so she, she, she's just dead, and you're like without anything. I get like the only thing you really get is like that close up later where you see the aftermath of her shoes in the car. That's like that's grim stuff. Um, but like it's not really played out like when. I feel, like, I feel like the grim, just like absolutely savage, like unstylized, unsentimental, like axe attack, and then to have this kind of like weak Hollywood strangle. Yeah, that was, that was lame. Yeah, it's. I mean, now, now we now we I sound mean, like ghouls. We like why why didn't they make the realistic strangling better? But it's I'm like I'm kind of I mean I'm glad that I didn't see that I suppose. But at the same time, you're like, why? What a weird shortcut to take of all things because because it's so uncompromising in every other way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because like at that point now she's dead and Ace gets out of the car and she's kind of like walked back out into the woods and then she's like full on just raped and you get to see that experience and it's like done in this way it's like it's so it's not done for like any sort of like it's not like a rape revenge movie where there's like a weird like stylization mm. where like the camera's cutting away to like artfully to a branch or like dew on leaves it's like no you're gonna watch this kind of go down and it's gonna be kind of done in this like way where like you can see expressions and like thinking going on in the faces and then that's it. Like, Oh fuck this. Oh God. The, the panties shoved in the mouth. Panties in the mouth. Fuck. The removed. Fuck. And, uh, yeah. And then you're like, Oh, well, she, well now she's going to get killed. And no, they come. It's, it's so messed up. And then, uh, he's gone. And then we cut to like the police have arrived uh, we see the daughter, her head just like, oh, there's a skull in her head. She's dead. Mm-hmm. And there's mom dead. There's her shoes all mangled up as she kicked for her life. And then the police retrieve uh, Anise from the from the woods. And she's like, she says she wasn't raped. <laughs> and uh, Anise, Anise says, no, I wasn't. Or, what's the final line? She's like, you don't have to believe me if you don't want to. Right. Or something like that. And freeze frame. It's the weirdest freeze frame. It's yeah. like it's almost 400 blows style freeze frame where it's just cut. I bought the DVD uh, during the last sale. Mm-hmm. And so I, I read the book, but I read the essay and they, they said the same thing. Yeah. I haven't seen 400 blows in over 20 years. So. Oh, well, that. it's one of our most fabled episodes uh people love uh, my input on that one for sure where are you refer uh, to it as ferris bueller's day off <laughs> it is it's poor ferris bueller's day off that's all that movie is anyways i uh, that you can go listen to that one if you want but when this movie ended i was like huh 400 blows <laughs> eh that was my reaction right so yeah i mean to just summarize, I guess, my thoughts on this uh, before I hand it off to you, gents. Uh, it's not a movie you like go and I'm, I enjoy this. Like, I, I, I'm going to watch this again. I mean, I've now seen it twice. Uh, I don't know when three is coming along. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I I think it's worth watching. I think people should I watch it. And uh, like that's about it. I mean, you're going to get out of it what you're going to get. I can understand someone like being angry by it. I mean, that's kind. I mean, I, I don't know if uh, Brele would like say like she should. She probably expects people to have like 
a strong reaction to it. Um, but I don't know if necessarily she thinks it's that objectionable because she's thinking about things in a whole different way. But uh, so, yeah, I'm like, I don't know. I'm neutral on this movie, I guess. Yeah, that's how I feel. But uh, so I don't know, Aaron or RJ, who wants to go first? What do you think of this movie? How about Aaron? You, I'd like Aaron to go first. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of neutral on all the movies of hers I've seen. You know, they're not, they're, it's more like an S. They're always more like essays. Yeah. They're not stories. It's very French. You know, like here are some ideas and we can talk about them. But, and they're not, well, it's fine. But they're not, they're not entertainment. They're not narratively driven. And, and that's fine too. Uh, but that, it, they are what they are. They're, they're, political for lack of a better term um <clears throat> fat girl i mean it's it's a, it's a lose-lose situation because the ending is so jarring that it, it's mm-hmm. almost like it takes you out of it but i guess in real life act of violence is jarring and takes you out of you know it's tra- it is transformative Right, but like you know, a Holly, you know, an American Hollywood movie, there would have been like on the radio, there would have been like an axe murderer. <laughs> yep, you know, so you have to like you have to admire all like what it doesn't do, like all the Hollywood bullshit that's just avoided, and just like the treatment of the fat girl. It's not sentimental. It's not. Um, it's really just unsparing and kind of. Uh, I don't even I don't even know what word I'm looking for. It's just so unlike an American film. I think that scene that you wanted where or not wanted, but the where the radio's like uh, axe murderer on the moose, I think that's happened off panel. I know you're a comic artist. <laughs> so just just assume it happened off panel, you know. These French, they're like, you can fill in the gaps. You can get that. Yeah, I mean that type of ending though, like that kind of uh, like when you have your narrative and then you interject the like randomness of violence, that is it's such a huge risk, I think, because depending on when you, how you do it and like how uh, it resolves afterwards, it can upset people a lot. I kind of think about my this maybe relates. So there's like one episode of the TV show Six Feet Under where mm. it's like where the one character David. Basically, it's like it's just like a day in the life of David, where like usually the show has like this kind of back and forth sort of soap opera element to the whole show. But in this particular episode, you get to see him get kidnapped by a man, and yeah, and like it's just like I fucking hated that episode because I'm like, this is not what I watched this show for, and it was so unnecessary, and it becomes like it was just like unpleasant to watch. And, and then it's not like like on an old network show where like something bad happens and then everyone moves on. Like no, this is like this is gonna like deal with his trauma for the, the next three seasons. Like, it, it, <laughs> but you're like holy shit! Like that's like kind of like that. And people are like yeah, I mean I felt that way. It's been a while since I've actually watched that show to see how it works now. But like I remember like I had a really strong reaction to it, and I feel like people might be watching Fat Girl and like not know me. Like I don't know how people avoid information completely on like this movie that like, Oh, I'm going to check this out. I've heard it's a coming of age story and like not know any of the, uh, 
other parts of it that come along with it. Oh, would be a fly on the wall. Yeah, mm. <laughs> where it's like surprise, <laughs> and because like this movie's often on like those lists where like I think like AV Club years ago had it on like twenty four great films you only need to see once, and like so it's like when that kind of like list of like controversial films and like that's how people they check it out because they're like, okay, I can handle this. I want to push my limits of like what's extreme, I guess. And then they watch this movie, and you're like, what the hell is this? This is just like coming of age awkwardness. But then you're like, oh, here's some like kind of like uncomfortable sex scenes that are like very like stretched out and like bring you right into them and there's like that so there's like that kind of discomfort and people are like oh it's this kind of thing well like i'm okay i'm okay with this but then suddenly it's like axe murder and murder mom and rape 13 year old 12 year old it's like oh and then people go okay to what end and you're like well that's the question (laughs) But would you like to know what Berlay had to say about uh, Anais, the fat girl's uh, appearance? Yes. Sure. Uh, Anais has a forbidden body, a disturbing body, very sensual, even if her head and face are still those of a little girl. Yeah. All right. (laughs) End end quote. End quote. End quote. When you were talking about Jarrett, when you're talking about six feet under, and you're like, uh, it's like this random thing that comes out of nowhere. All I could think about is like, if you applied that to a different show, where safe in like Cheers, you had Norm, <laughs> and like he say you see him leave the bar, you're like, oh, we're following Norm for a night, and then he goes and he beats a hobo to death, and then he goes home, and then then and then it's like it just never gets addressed, and you're just like, huh. So I've like been I'll... watching. This is this is going to sound ridiculous, but I've been watching ER. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I don't, I don't know why. It's like really, yeah. really yeah. easy to watch, mm-hmm. and like we're fucking deep into it now. Like yeah. George George Clooney, who's that? No, we're like in like Linda Cardellini era. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're like it's like the two thousands. We're deep into it. Yeah, but like there's this character they introduce. Um, He's like the dude from RoboCop that gets like dumped in like the toxic sludge that he sit by the car. Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. So he's like this like real shithead doctor. And he's got like really, really bad luck with helicopters. <laughs> like he like tried to reach up and his hand got cut off one like time. He, he's on like the helipad and he drops like his clipboard and he goes to pick it up. And when he stands up, his fucking arm goes into the rear propeller and it's like a full like shot, like on network TV of just like his arm going off and like CGI blood going everywhere. And then like, you know, like this, like this goes on, this storyline goes on for a long time. They like they reattach his arm, but it's like not taking mm-hmm. and like he doesn't have feeling. So he'll like accidentally like close it in a door or like he, he's trying to make tea and he like leaves his like arm like on the burner and it catches on fire. It's <laughs> and it, then yeah. like a whole season later, maybe two seasons later, <laughs> a helicopter falls on him and kills him. What? <laughs> oh. And it's like like we're like Brian De Palma style. Like we're like you're like something's uh-huh. gonna happen, but I don't know like what or why. Uh-huh. And like this like propellers being weird and like it falls off the side of the building and it explodes as it's falling 
and it like blows out a side of the hospital. This was like a million dollar episode. Was this during like oh, what's that called? Like when TV like they always sweep. like sweeps week is like oh so we got it we got to go all with a bang. <laughs> it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen on TV. Uh, like it was kind of like like disturbing almost in that fat girl way because you're like I can't believe this just happened like out of nowhere. Right, and it's like See, it's happening on TV. Awesome. <laughs> That sounds awesome because it's ER, and I think the added irony of this guy always getting injured and killed by helicopters. Right, but the characters like comment. It's hilarious. Be like that guy must have done something to a helicopter in his past life. <laughs> so it just makes you wonder what was going on in the writers' room. They're like, they're like, well, it's big, the helicopter works. So let's do it again. That sounds like something I would say, but like as a dumb joke, because I say really stupid shit all the time. It's like, what if helicopters just hurt them all the time? Someone would be like, that's a dumb idea. But these ER people are like, we should go with that. It's like a family guy idea, but like they did it like as a serious drama. It's really strange. It's weird what shows can get away with. It's like when I was talking about Deep Space Nine and they crucified Rom onto one of the walls. And I was like, uh, huh? I, I didn't think that was going to happen in Star Trek. It didn't happen before. It's not like he got crucified all the time. But, I mean, if it happens again, maybe there's something to it. Maybe helicopter style. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, uh, I, we went off on a weird one there. Uh, do you have anything else, Double uh, A, that uh, you think uh, might work in this bad boy? Any, any other lingering thoughts on... Uh, uh, fat girl, anything else like that? Fat girl leaves nothing but lingering thoughts. That's not a bad sell. I kind of like that. How about you, RJ? Hmm. Hmm. So this has uh, been built up a little bit. One thing I wanted to ask. Uh, so, uh, Aaron Lang, how come you chose fat girl? Was it just something that you're like, oh, that's coming up soon. That sounds good. I'll, I'll go on that. Or was it something that you actually were like, I want to do fat girl well, or I, just timing. I figured there'd be plenty to talk about. Mm-hmm. Which there has been. And also I, I got to say I'm a little disappointed. I thought you'd be a lot more squirmy about this one, RJ. Well, I haven't really, I mean, this is going to be like a Salo, Salo level. Yeah. I, 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 I think I, I know what you mean. So I, <laughs> I've, I've kind of jumped in a few times, but I haven't even really said what I think about this movie. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. So I'll, I'll lay it on you guys right now. Um, so this is a movie that I have actually been, I've, I, I haven't wanted to watch this like ever just cause I think Jarrett <laughs> told me about it like three years ago. And I was like, ugh, I was like, I don't want to watch that. I, I was like, cause I think it was like first year podcast when we were in like spines, like, I don't know. We were on spine like 15. He's like, guess what? In like 200 episodes, we'll start talking about fat girl. And I was like, oh, what is that? <laughs> I, I think like, the, the title just disgusted you. Yeah. I was like, oh, fat girl. I was like, what is that about? I was like, that doesn't sound like a, I was like, that doesn't sound like sister act. That's not my kind of movie. Um, so I, I was like, I don't want to do that. And then this year I saw that it was in the timeline. Like, I think what we do, we don't do a lot of planning, but we have like a month or two uh, ahead kind of, it's like, Oh, these are the movies just so we know that what we got to watch. And I saw it in the schedule and I was like, uh, fat girl. And then like two weeks ago, Jared was like, Oh, fat girl's coming up. And I was like, what? I was like, I thought that was like a year from now. And so I really didn't want to watch it. 
And then, uh, so when I was going to watch it this week, uh, so Andy, my wife, uh, whenever she, whenever I watch my Criterion, she's always like, what are you going to watch? She's watched, I'd say, about exactly 50% of them with me. That's Sometimes, fair. yeah, yeah, like ex- maybe 50%. Uh, and she'll always be like, well, what's the movie this week? And sometimes I'll be like, just outright, you're not going to like it. Uh, so like sometimes we've had movies. It's like, I know you're not going to like it. Like say Andre Rublev or some shit like that. It's like, nah, don't worry about it. This one I kind of told her about. And she's like, that sounds okay. And I was like, I don't think you're going to like it. I don't think <laughs> I'm going to like this movie. So uh, I was like, let me just watch it. And then uh, you can, I'll tell you about it. So I told her about it, and it's like I said, I got a little insight into some things. I think Oliver Granger uh, commented on our Instagram about how uh, he's like, he can't wait for two uh, cis white hetero males to talk about this movie. And I think we have... We have three now instead, which is even better. And he even gave me some some facts on uh, Batgirl was banned in Ontario by the Ontario Film Review (laughs) for late 2001 due to... uh, objections regarding the frank representation of teenage sexuality he followed up by saying in 2020 the the ban was extended to alberta by a local misogynist rj balog same creep Jarrett heavily protested the band is that true i don't know i'm doing a lot of build up here you know a lot of build up so i have two minds of this movie so i was watching it and and i get to that uh, 25 minute sex scene and i'm like I just, it's one of those things I'm watching and I'm like, what is the intent? What are they trying to do? I actually do try to sometimes understand these movies and I'm like, what are they trying to say with this? Is it just making it like this uncomfortable to do it? Much like how I find Salo sometimes, uh, where it's like, is the object to make people uncomfortable? I don't know. Let me keep going. So I keep watching. I kind of actually, I knew the ending before it happened, which I guess is probably bad. Uh, sometime years ago, it was spoiled to me. I don't know when, but so I was just waiting and I was like, I was like, how does it get to that point? <laughs> and I was watching and I was watching and then it happens and I'm like, huh? So in my mind, I was trying to rationalize this for myself and I was trying to explain it to Andrea because uh, I started off and I was like, you know, it's this movie about two sisters. One of them is kind of shitty to the other one, but they kind of give it back and forth. And we actually know two sisters who are kind of like this. So I actually, I was like, it's kind of like these people that we know. And she's like, oh, she's like, that sounds good. I was like, I don't know if good is the word I would use. <laughs> and then I talk about, I told her how there was a 30 minute long scene of this guy pressuring this girl into uh into lewd acts is what I would call them. And uh, Andrea, she was kind of like, she was like, well, that's how you guys kind of are. And she said it like at me. I was like, me guys. I was like, I'm nothing but a saint. I'm an angel. I'm a Catholic man. As Jared pointed out earlier, I was like, I never, never. Uh, so we kind of got into it a little bit more. And then I kind of told her the, what happens at the end. And she said something that I think I I think is worth repeating because it was kind of like I was trying to figure it out in my head where I was like, why is there this huge abrupt thing in at the end with this rapist? I was like, I don't get it. Uh, And she was kind of like, well, you know, and this is her not even watching the movie. She's like, you know, you had so the first hour was this guy pressuring this girl into having sex. 
And so it's like, she is underage, so technically statutory rape. And then she's like, but then the ending is an actual full-blown rape with, like, this rapist guy. She's like, maybe the movie is trying to say that these things are actually on the same level, where it's, like, full-blown rape and statutory rape. Maybe they're somewhat in the same kind of ballpark. And I was like, yeah, would you say, yeah, now now that you have heard, uh, (laughs) I didn't realize that she had that kind of mindset. So (laughs) now that I know that, because I'm not even going to lie to you when my, when my gentle, kind wife explained her kind of female, uh, interpretation of this. Yeah. That's a very like me too feminist friendly interpretation. And it's not a crazy interpretation either. But it's, it's not far off. Yeah. Oh, no, no. It makes and, sense. But so when I thought that, my opinion of the movie kind of brightened a little bit. And I was like, huh. Oh. I was like, I am not a uh, lady. I don't know how it is. I, as Oliver pointed out, I'm a cis white male. I'm living the high life. I'm on top. Slam dunks all the time is what society tells me. Uh, and I was like, hmm, not too bad. And then when you said all that stuff leading in, I was like, wait a minute. Maybe that wasn't right. Maybe it was what I thought the whole time. And so my thing on this. So good. So I've I've been I'm not going to lie to you guys. The last 4 days have been a, a, an emotional roller coaster for me because I watched the movie. I had what obviously you guys all know I thought of this movie. I was like, what the fuck is this? Why does this exist? Uh be, because my big thing too is I talked about this, uh, say, when we were talking about kids, not in the collection proper, but I was like, I understand uh, depictions of teenage sexuality. It's like, yeah, that is a thing that we all experience. But the thing I don't like is, I, I don't know if this like makes me a weird old man or something. It's just like, I don't really like seeing it in movies because I feel like it falls into that camp where it's like, are they portraying it because they're trying to say something about it? Or is it like, how is this going to be interpreted by the people who consume it? So it's kind of like Aronofsky's mother where he, his big thing was like, once it gets out into the world, it's not yours anymore. So I'm like, some of these dudes who watch these movies, are they just watching it for that? Because that's what they want. And that's a whole other ball game. That's not something to hold against the movie itself. But I do find it hard to watch movies that kind of uh, interpret the teenage stuff like that, because it's like, like, I don't know, man. I don't know if this is the right way to do this. I'll say so, this. I think Batgirl is much better than kids. Uh, I, I actually, I kind of agree with you on that one. Um, so so I, I have that kind of thing hanging over me for a lot of this movie. And then, so like I said, I had that. I was like, why does this exist? I don't really understand it. My wife tried to explain what, like, just based on my explanation, which was probably poor anyways. She's like, maybe it's this. And her positive kind of mentality. And I was like, maybe it is that. And then now tonight, you uh, two cis white hetero men just kind of broke that down on me again. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, why does this exist? I don't even know anymore. Uh, I don't know what to think about this movie, to be honest. I, if I had the uh, optimistic kind of interpretation, you could be like, well, it's a statement about like predatory men in a way it's like okay cool but then there's the other side where it's like or is it just gratuitous for the sake of it 
I don't know. I don't think it's gratuitous. Not yeah, like not in the not in like the gratuitous like say flashy sense, but like uh, the portrayal of some things. I guess I don't really know where this movie falls in there for me. I know I don't like the depiction of teenage sexuality, but that's <laughs> I'm never gonna like that. Oh, okay. I just find it off-putting. Dude, I don't like sexuality at all. So as I sometimes do, I, I check out like yeah. what did Roger Ebert have to say about Fat Girl, oh, and I, I checked it out. So. He watched it, RJ. We're, mi- we're just out a little bit. November 23rd, 2001. Mm. We're missing out okay. by two days there in a year. Tw- the so 20th close. anniversary of the review. But uh, he he mentions, like, when he's talking about it, he refers to the Alina character as a 15-year-old sex pot and also refers uh. to her uh, uh, as a sexy 15-year-old. <laughs> The problem is you can't talk about this movie without actually doing that. Right. I mean, it's how she's presented. It, it would be interesting right? to, for if this like the equivalent movie came out now, it'd be really interesting to see the like bending over backwards to avoid talking about that element it's completely. Yeah. yeah. Like it would just be like kind of funny cuz they'd be like, "Oh, okay, oh you, you can't say that." So you'd have to like really wonder. So it's just funny that like you go back to 2001, the good old days. Mm-hmm. You know, nine eleven just happened. <laughs> and Ebert's watching it hot. He's a fifteen-year-old ass. Yeah, that's Ebs. Uh, Ebert. Ebs. R.I.P. No. So yeah. So and that's what I mean. It's a mixed bag. I think. Uh, I even thought I was gonna hate this way more than I actually did. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, a mark on the movie. But um, I do think there's. There's something there's something different to it, but there's also something off for it for me. I do admire like I do think those kind of representations of sexuality are important. I just don't really like watching it because I just don't like watching people getting down for some reason, especially when it's like underage people. I find it problematic, as the kids would say. But you know what is one thing I will give it to its credit? I think this movie looks pretty good. When I was watching, I was like, hey. I don't know a lot about filming and photography, but I think this looks like a good show. Pretty good <laughs> show in that sense. I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Pretty yeah. fair. So yeah, I don't I I don't know, guys. <laughs> something's okay, something's not okay. And uh what I heard from one side and now I'm getting the other side, I don't think I'll ever understand. I'll never watch it again, that's probably for sure. But uh, that's not news or anything. So that's my two cents. Uh, that was a long kind of winded rant. But uh, I don't know. But what you're, know. You what you're saying is you liked it better than Funny Games. Uh, yeah, I don't like Funny Games. Okay. I don't like Funny Games like almost at all. That movie annoys me to like uh, that movie annoys the shit out of me. I don't want to watch that again. But I, I have to, I guess. One, one day you will. <sighs> Uh, well, you want to hear from people who hate this movie, and I, 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 I am also going to read from some people who love this movie. Some recent okay. reviews, some five stars, but we'll do the the half star ones first. RJ, if you're all in the ready, I'm ready. We got a half star review from Sarah Smith. Fuck this pedo shit. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like I said. I didn't go to that ex- kind of extreme for it. Uh, Sarah Smith's five-star movies include The Cat in the Hat, starring Canadian Mike Myers, uh, Jennifer's Body, oh, God. Uh, Portrait 
of a lady mm-hmm. on fire mm-hmm. midsummer, which uh, is another one of those uh, gratuitous violence movies that uh, you were talking about, or not gratuitous, but abrupt violence movies. Lady Bird is also in there, so I guess that's kind of like a movie that you're talking about. I like Lady uh, Bird. Yeah, Lady Bird's not bad. Um, she only has five half star films. Fat Girl, uh, two things I don't know. Tusk, which takes place <laughs> in Canada, and then I'm thinking of ending things. So I guess wow. that fits in here in the realm of the fat girls, and uh, she just watched this. Uh, the realm of the today. fat girls. Did you see that, Jared? Oh wow! This, I, I, this did, I did. I did not. Wow! I didn't notice that part. That's pretty wild. That's never happened for, before. For, this fresh take. As Aaron said, this day's full of uh, just uh, first time happenings for us. So record breaking. <laughs> record breaking. Wild. Huge. Uh, we have God. What is this? Lux Rubots Blues. Luxembourg Blues. Okay. I, I when I copy and pa- when I when I when I uh, when I copy and paste this, I can barely no, I can barely read the font because I come sometimes I copy and paste this stuff in advance and like it was so tiny. Now that I have made it at a reasonable font from eight. I can clearly see Luxembourg blues. Uh, I mean, what's your I, font? Like Helvetica or something? Well, what are you using uh, over no, there? No, it was man? like I transfer. I jump around. There's emails. It goes to the Word docs. And yeah, I couldn't read what it said. I can't even read what the next Silly. one is. So I'm going to get on top of that. I think it says Monica, but. Uh, I'll check it out. Monica it is. All right, there we go. Luxembourg blues. Half a star writes. And this is from three days ago. I re- Why is everyone watching this? Is it streaming? Uh, well, it's on it's on the channel. channel. It's on the channel. So, but I mean, like, I don't know why someone would just be like, "I'm gonna pop that on, check it out." Uh, well, Luxembourg Blue says, "I remember feeling more comfortable watching Gummo." RJ, is that no. true? No, 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 no. <laughs> Gummo is like, I don't know. That's just me again, though. I I was See, very. This is why I'm with RJ. I fucking hate Gummo. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love it. Love that Gummo. <laughs> Garbage. <laughs> I like Spring Breakers. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm I'm glad you're on the right side of history for that one at least. Yeah, Gummo. I don't understand, Jared. It's fine that you like it. I'm not gonna I like fight Sing-Lo. you. I like all sorts of awful things, but oh. Gummo is fucking gross. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, I like, like I'd much rather watch the shit eating from Salo than that bathtub spaghetti scene from Gummo. Mm, Get out of here. <laughs> not a fan of that. Not a fan no, of any of that. Dreadful. I like that. This is like, and I also resent things that make me feel like a prude, where I'm just like, mm-hmm. Ugh. you know, like when I act like my reactions, like my mother's, like, Ugh. it's not very nice. Well, and well, as a matter of you fact, know? I mean, Gummo is from your home state of Ohio. That's something that pisses me off. <laughs> so like, you are hipster, like coming to the sticks, and he's like, "This is what uh, mid Midwesterners are like." Mm. Mm-hmm. Ain't it? And that's what people think of Canadians too, man. Uh, you know, Luxembourg Blues uh, doesn't have bad taste. Five stars to Punch Drunk Love. Five stars Eraserhead, Fanny and Alexander. Colonel Blimp, that's a Criterion film. Um, and then, honestly, they only have three or three half-star films. Fat Girl, The Immortal Story from 1968. Oh. I don't know what that is. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of in the ballpark, I think. It's gonna, okay, it's gonna then, it has some frank depictions of sexuality, RJ. Ugh. What about Sierra from 1950? I don't know. <laughs> That's like a western. Okay, half star, huh? 
half star apparently. Maybe it All also right. has some Frank's, Frank depictions of sexuality. Uh, and then for the hate side, we'll throw out Monica, half a star. I'm sorry, yeah. but this whole thing made me uncomfortable. I don't, or actually, it's uncomfortable. I don't understand all of the good reviews. Yeah, there's a question right there. I don't understand all of the good reviews. Like, I get it. Men are evil, but I don't see what's profound about this. I mean, yeah, guys are pretty bad. But, I mean, guys also rule is what kids say now. Uh, this person can't... It's not even about men. No. no. Like, not really. <laughs> At all. Like, yeah. yeah. You know what's a movie not about men? Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That's a five-star film for this person. And I know, Frank, I'm sorry. I know you you like that movie. It's just, it comes up so often. Uh, five stars also to Hereditary. Also five stars, Jarrett, to Scooby-Doo, the movie, the live-action film, starring oh. uh, your buddy, uh, Matt uh, Lillard, and uh, what's his name? Freddie Prinze Jr.? You know that guy. Mm-hmm. What else we got on here? Half-star films include Bad Timing. Ooh, that's got Frank's oh, that sexuality awesome. in it. That's coming up soon, actually, in the next that movie's so good. year or so. Uh, yeah, Bad Timing, La La Land, I, I guess, is also a half-star. And uh, Saturday Night Fever, hmm. for whatever reason. For whatever reason. Yeah. Weird. Well, some five-star reviews. Yikes. Um, the, wow. Right, right, these are all very recent. November 20, 2020. Uh, from Eloise, men ruin everything. Probably. Uh, Eloise uh, ha- has a favorite film called Muhammad Drive. That is a vibe, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also The Piano Teacher. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's Michael Haneke, uh, actually. Funny games. Oh, yeah. It's actually really good. <laughs> okay, oh, I've discovered oh, a weird stuff. anomaly now. Uh, uh, Michael Haneke. What? Sorry? I don't like funny games either, but Piano yes. Teacher's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Piano Teacher's I, only movie of his I've seen that I like. I'll check that out. I don't like funny games, though. So. <laughs> it's obnoxious. Uh, it, I, I think so. I think it's... I just think it's really dumb. Um... And obnoxious, too. So I just found a weird anomaly. I didn't bring these movies up when I was naming the other people. But the people who hate this movie, this person, Eloise, gave five stars. Uh, they all have similar five-star movies. Uh, ha- the Handmaiden, which is that, like, uh, what is that? South Is that the South uh, Park Chan-wook movie? And then Porco Rosso, the Miyazaki movie. Miyazaki movie. They gave, they the people who hate this movie and the people who love this movie, those two films pop up. Okay, I don't know why Porco Rosso. I guess weird. Uh, well, Craig McCarthy, top five movie I've seen all quarantine, coming of age story with an ending which literally left my mouth agape. I swear to you, I was like a goddamn cartoon wolf at the end of this thing. I will take That's all. Not the right... <laughs> That's not the right metaphor. <laughs> I I will take all the Catherine Brele films now, please and thank you. Yeah, I mean the Awuga. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he understands the semiotics of the yeah. Tex Avery Wolf. Mm-hmm. That's not quite right. Uh, this person only has twenty three movies logged total, so it's a new account, and they watched this movie uh, a week ago. So there's, I don't know what's going on. Maybe they're watching it for film class. Maybe they're all just following the creeps. That could be possible. 
They gave five stars to uh, Andre Rublev, which is the second time that's been mentioned tonight for whatever reason. But, uh, yeah, they don't even have any other uh, zero. They have no ratings lower than uh, three stars. I don't um, know. So they're easily impressed. I guess. But they've only have, they only have 20 <coughs> movies logged. Okay. So, like, you know. Yeah. Well, that's, that's enough of these lovers and haters. Sure. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, here on Fat Girl? No. <laughs> Problematic? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know what to think about this movie. I, I honestly don't. That's fine. You know? I, I think I think she's uh, setting out to make movies that are not easily got. And that's fine, too. I, I, I have uh, some admiration for that. Uh, I don't know how I feel about it. I feel conflicted, so maybe uh, maybe that's the intent. I mean, this is a person who t- teaches uh, like auteur film at a university. So I mean, this is like these films are going to like probably lean toward the the academic. Um, so I mean, yeah, she's making film essays. It's like if you're not in that discourse, if you're not in that dialogue, if you're not going like these are not movies for everybody. Ultimately, I guess like it's just like, it's not like these movies are going to be contingent on like financial success either it's just about getting the ideas out there mm-hmm. i guess whatever those ideas might be what <laughs> so are those ideas i don't know it could be anything really uh, as as okay. if, I, I think people will walk away perhaps more confused after listening to this i hope so what about you double a you got uh, anything else to say or uh, any final thoughts um i guess i'd encourage people to read some Berlay, either like mm. her writings or interviews with her or because uh, um, she is very clear when she talks about her work and everything you're like oh that makes sense yeah oh i okay and like she knows what she's doing she's not just like throwing shit out there to be weird or provocative or open-ended she knows exactly what she's doing and if asked she's she's got an answer right mm-hmm. uh, i i don't think she thinks the stuff's ambiguous at all and uh she's very smart uh she's a good writer and um you definitely have a body of work you know they all that informs Mm -hmm. itself yeah and that's basically what i have to say about her she's worth exploring and i think she's an interesting woman because i do think that uh i think romance is on the criterion channel from when I uh, looked up what was available of her stuff, because we live in the world where everything's reliant on streaming, and uh, mm. I'm not sure when you're uh, making this type of work. I'm not sure if you're going to be very well represented on Netflix. No, this is more of a Hulu movie, I think. Yeah, or a Crave feature. It's probably worth noting that in both romance and anatomy of hell she cast the porn star Rocco oh, Sofriti. Uh, yes <laughs> and which I vaguely remember from years ago being like well Rocco Sofriti he he was in some uh Catherine Brelet films and I was like huh because like in uh in Canada at least we had this channel called Showcase Mm-hmm. And they like would have like they'd have like on Friday nights they would play like you know Peter Greenaway movies and I'm sure that depending on how long that channel went for this would have been this was the material that would be straight up their alley like this is where you would actually get to see like interesting like auteur cinema like and not yeah 
which was always like I saw a lot so many things that way. It was a great thing because like you didn't know like the people who were working on it obviously knew about movies and were like, hey, we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna show this one time and that's it. And then so you're like late at night and you're like, I don't know, twelve years old. And it's like I'm gonna see some European titties tonight. And Ugh. but sometimes you saw some penises getting eaten and uh, other things. Oh. Like what the fuck? That's a good enough place to end things. <laughs> really? Penises getting eaten? Yeah. Or is that a jumping off point? Exactly. Well, I think castration anxiety is a fine place to to <laughs> end after all. Of course. After the break. Fuck, I don't know. This is, I mean, all the op- choices I'd have to name, they're all quite bleak, and I don't want anything horrible to happen to any of us. Just do it. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, just, I don't have it in me, RJ. I'm not brave enough as a podcaster of auteurs. After the break, rape. <laughs> there. He said it, not me. He, he's the bad one. He's a character I play for much. Dollars, there is but one concern I have just discovered Some girls are bigger than others Some girls are bigger than others Some girls' mothers are bigger than other girls' mothers Some girls are bigger than others Some girls are bigger than others Some girls' mothers are bigger than other girls so RJ, are you going to be traveling to France anytime soon? No. Need a nice Italian man hang out? Is he going to be predatory in any sense? Well, if it was without say. But you'll, you'll, there's a pool. Have some weird bread. Some like weird taffy. Again, it just it sounds like Call Me By Your Name. It's all the same plot beats. Pools, aggressive predatory men, weird food. It's all the same thing. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us about France. We've got a Facebook sure. page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. Aaron, how can people find you in this social media world? Uh, I'm on Instagram as uh, Aaron Lang Comics. That's comics with an X every time. Ooh. There you go. Uh, and we're, this podcast, we're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. We're on YouTube. We've got a Patreon. Tumblr. Tum- allegedly. Tumblr. Next week, it's just the two of us again, RJ. RJ, oh, do you like French movies? <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you like? How do you feel about? How do you? How do you feel about eyes? In what context? Wow! How do you feel about the letter? Fa- how about how about faces? I like Cassavetti's faces. Okay. Well, what if there were eyes without faces? Sounds pretty fucking spooky <laughs> to me, buddy. Next week, Georges Franjou's Eyes Without a Face from 1960. Jared, I own this movie. 
What a rare treat. I've never seen it, though. And then you can maybe even check out Blood of the Beast, his uh, documentary. Is it a remake? No. Or is it a documentary I'm making of? It is a documentary that uh, is right up your alley. Is it, though? Definitely. Thank you, Aaron, so much for joining us. It's been My a pleasure. pleasure. I, I hope that you enjoyed these hours of your life you spent with us. Hours. As always, our send-off. Was it worth it? You're asking me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was it worth it the time that it took you to make that uh, that beautiful uh, Seven of Borgnine? Uh, yes. trade-off yeah. there? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I wasn't it. expecting a yes. So It'll be good. worth it when you get the tattoo. I will. I just have to wait until the places are open, which could be never at this rate. COVID forever. Is that what the kids say? I don't know. It'll happen. It'll happen. And with that, good night. Yeah. <laughs>